What's up, Videolanders? I'm Brad. I'm Kyle. And I'm Ryan. I'm so happy that God's put our packages together. <laughs> if my best friend hides his farts from me, then what else is he hiding from me, and why does that make me feel so alone? Dear Lord, help me get just one more. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Screw that movie. <laughs> help me, God. Just get one oh. more. But no, uh, you got to grab the wheel and own it. Drive it like you stole it. <laughs> You're gonna have Hacksaw Ridge in my mind the rest of this episode. Lord You're just gonna have this sour look on your. You hate Andrew Garfield so fucking. Oh my god, he got my worst actor for 2016 in Silence. Twice, twice, 2016 and for Silence and Hacksaw Ridge. Oh. oh my god. So, but this is about tonight's episode. Is a very special episode of Adventures in Video Land. Yes, sir. Every year, Ryan and I celebrate our top 10 films during the week of the Oscars. Top 10, top 10, not top worst, our top 10 best, okay? So celebrating our top 10 in late February gives us a chance to watch movies that were in limited release and to really digest the movies of 2016, to really think about our list. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's uh, doing it so late, again, a chance to catch up. You know, a lot of times at the end of the year, especially, you get those ones that... They try and sneak in so they have time to, to get in there for Oscar consideration. And a lot of times the real gems come at the end of the year. And those are those are hard to watch. You know, we're out here in Indiana, so it's not like uh, not like we get world premieres out yeah, here. I think so. five, five of my top ten I've watched since 2017 started. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so. And we caught up with a couple. A, a couple, couple of them. A couple. Um, but then we always, you know, you're always going to miss a couple yeah. of them. You know, yeah. like Silence, I think, opened up Vatican City. In 2016. Yeah. They opened know? just enough to get Oscar consideration, yeah. but where no one can fucking see it. Right, exactly. <laughs> so we did get to see a, a couple. We were able mm-hmm. to watch The Wailing, Nocturnal Animals. Did, you watched Fences, right? Yeah. Okay, yep. we'll get into that, though. Let's talk about the movies that we didn't get a chance to see. Kyle, let's start with you. Um, there, there are a couple. Um, Fences is one I haven't seen. Um, it's not something that I seem overly excited to want to go watch. That's probably why I haven't seen it. Um Hidden Figures is one. I do really want to watch Hidden Figures, but just um, haven't really gotten around to that it's one. It's about women in space, right? It's it's about uh, <laughs> black uh, women who uh, helped NASA, you know, when it was first getting lost. I got that all wrong. Yeah, you're way the fuck yeah, off. Put that on your list now. <laughs> uh, Lion in, is one that I haven't seen. Uh, Hell or High Water I still haven't gotten around to, and that came out, you know, really fucking long time ago. So yeah. th- those are the big ones that I really want to see. And then, I mean, there, there's plenty of stuff that, you know, I'm sure I'll see. Jackie, I haven't seen, and yeah. I, you know, I'm. It's just something I really want to see Natalie Portman's performance in. Not really that I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I really want to see Jackie. Yeah. It's like I want to see Natalie Portman. Yeah. As so, with not seeing those movies, are you pretty comfortable with your list? I, I think for the most part, I think maybe Hell or High Water may have cracked it if it's you know very uh, No Country for Old Menish, which is one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm I'm sure that would probably crack in here, but and it, you know, you know it was it was very No Country, mm-hmm. and that's why it didn't leave an impression on me because I love gotcha. No Country, and it just seemed like they were treading the same ground. Gotcha, pretty decent though. Yeah. Um, I missed you know <laughs> when I wrote down all the movies that I missed, and I included everything. I mean, movies that I thought had a chance at top ten, and movies that I don't like. I still, I still wanted to see Turtles Two, mm-hmm. out of the shadow, out of the shadows. I want to see Nice Guys and Keanu. Um, Ooh, Keanu, I haven't seen that. Yeah, I mean, you know, odds are low, but you never I want know. to see them. You never know. You know, um, the big ones though that that I missed uh, were also Hell or High Water. Uh, I was still interested to see uh, Green Room. Which yeah. I it's which on I Amazon missed. Prime. Right? I know, and I, a lot of the a lot of the movies that I've seen are on there right now. So. And that's that that one bothered me a lot. Um, Moonlight is the probably the biggest one that right. bugged me. 
That people, I was are, like, people are saying, Ryan, it's a contender. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, uh, I was also interested in Don't Think Twice um, uh, about... Uh, I can't, Is that Mike Birbiglia's yes, like, movie Mike, about improv? Exactly, right? yeah. An improv group who I think SNL or whatever they're going to call it in the movie, right. they come calling and the infighting that kind of happens to they, steal they know, the spotlight. They know some people are going to get picked up out of the group yeah. to, to spotlight. One person's going to get picked, the two people. Kind of and funny, yeah. So I, I heard that that's like amazing. But unfortunately, I just I didn't get around release, to it. Yeah. And, and Arrival, which... That one also pisses me off a lot because <laughs> although I have very little interest in it, you know, at the end of the day, I, I love, I like a good sci-fi movie or a drama based around, you know, in a sci-fi environment, if you will, or whatever. And that's directed by Dennis Bellynavel, right? <laughs> Villanueva. <laughs> yes. Yes, Bellynavel. Bellynavel. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, Dennis Bellynavel. World great director. <laughs> he's, he's like a, he's, he's like a Terrence Malick. He always does a movie once every 20 years. So. Dennis Bubble Trousers of director. <laughs> But yeah, other than that, I, I, uh, I, oh, oh, and Lobster. Okay. That yeah. one pissed me off, actually. Also on Amazon Prime. You yes. Amazon I started Prime. to watch Lobster, and I just yeah. didn't get to finish it, so I can't <laughs> say anything, but. I tell you what, last couple of weeks, though, we've I been really kind ones. of diving into those movies that we didn't get to see, you know, because yeah. we knew this episode was Yeah, coming. yeah, yep. Um, for me, I wanted to see Park Chan-wook's The Handmaiden. I've been hearing some pretty good stuff I about that. Things, yeah. um, Jackie, um, for the uh, performance there. I've heard that's a really good biopic. Um, Fences, I really wanted to see. Um, American Honey. Uh, you know, Fences was in the in Lafayette for just like a couple weeks, and yeah. it was gone. I actually told my wife, I think it was on a, on a Tuesday or Wednesday, we were going to go watch it. And mm-hmm. I'm like, man, if we don't go watch it tonight, Friday it'll be gone. And sure enough, Friday, yep. gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, good thing about it, mo- uh, Moonlight. We did go see Moonlight, mm-hmm. and but it was only out for one Moonlight <laughs> in Lafayette. Um, American Honey, I really wanted to see. Right. Um, Shia LaBeouf is one of my favorite people right now. He's so crazy. And... Uh, <laughs> And so crazy. So crazy. Um, and then Lobster, I didn't get a chance to see that. So there's about four or five ones that I would I would really like to see. Um, where would you guys rank 2016 on the AV scale? Ugly, bad, good, great, Pantheon. Um, during the Razzies, um, we had a conversation. I said probably I would put it at a 3, 3.5. Um, you know what? After doing my list and looking at my top 10, I'm very happy with, with this year. And I think I would probably change that. To a 3.5 to a 4. You know, I thought this was a pretty great year. I really like this this year for movies. So where do you guys stand? Um, I, I'm, I'm in a similar boat. I, I think three, three, three and a half. Um, I think our summer blockbusters were kind of garbage. Yeah, big time um, And I think I think we put a lot of emphasis on that summer blockbuster because that's where the money's at. That's where we're expecting to see these big movies. And they just kind of floundered. But the beginning of the year had some interesting movies. And the end of the year had some really fantastic movies. I think um, indie films as a whole were really fucking good things that we you know talked about you know green room we hinted at you know mm-hmm. little little movies here that kind of didn't put a lot of money in but give you give you a lot of enrichment in the way that you, you watched and saw them we saw a lot of unique shit this year that i'm sure we're going to talk about tonight so yeah. uh yeah three and a half for me okay. um i'd say i'd say a solid three um last year i was i really ragged on 2015 i hated 2015 but i got some a handful of really great movies out of it. Mm-hmm. And that was the only thing that saved it for me. Uh, however, this year, I can say that although I'm, I'm not emphatic about this year, I can say that the general quality of the films that I liked was higher. So, you know, um, <clears throat> to me, there were less standouts, but what was left was pretty good, aside from there was a lot of disappointments this year. But I feel that 
overall of the movies that I can say I enjoyed, I enjoyed on average a little more than last year. Yeah. So a solid three for me. Yeah, and I would have to say I agree with you 100%, Kyle. I think this is maybe the worst summer that I can imagine for summer movies. In a long while, yeah. I mean, like, Turtles and, you know, like, I know I'm going to... We, we say this a lot, but the DC movies weren't that great. Um, just all over the board, man. It just, uh, man, they have what? Uh, Gods and Gods and Gods, uh, of, Egypt. Gods, Gods of, of Egypt was a movie that just came out of fucking nowhere. I didn't even know anybody <laughs> wanted. Um, you know, there's so many just bad summer movies. Ghostbusters, yeah. Squad, a lot of things. Just like, a lot of bad summer blockbusters. I'm sure there was a Transformers somewhere, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you what. <laughs> there was a Ninja Turtles. That's making Michael Bay enough. And dude, I'm telling you, I'm generally excited for this year. I think I, this I year too. is going to be good. Like, I can't mm-hmm. remember the last time I had three movies already on my list That because I already start to form my list. Anytime I see a good yep. movie, what I do is I put it in my notes for um, consideration for 2017, right? And right now, I mean, last year at this time, blank. Summertime, blank. Well, okay. What I told Ryan when you were I was like, you know, this, I thought 2016 was good, but there have been three movies I've seen this year that would be on my list this year if they come out. Um, they would be Split, uh-huh. uh, Lego Batman. And I just saw Get Out the yeah. other night, and Get Out is fucking phenomenal. Those are my three right there, you know. And I felt like, uh, like I was talking about uh, Lego Batman. I felt like it was um, kind of like uh, Overload, sensory, sensory overload. overload. But it's a movie that I can't there's, stop thinking there's about. There's a lot of great jokes. There's in a lot it, of great stuff. They throw a lot of stuff at you, and I can't wait to go watch it a second time. Maybe, um, actually, my daughter and I have a, um, a movie date planned on next Sunday. Right. We're gonna go check it out again. But yeah, right now those three movies right there would be on my list, and I can't remember the last time this early. You know, it would be on my list. And that's before Blade Runner and War of the Planet of the Apes and Logan and Thor Ragnarok and Spider-Man Homecoming <laughs> and, like, Guardians of the Galaxy and all these... And aliens. These alien Covenant. <laughs> I mean, like, this, this is... And that's before we talk about the, the independent movies oh, and yeah. the award winners that always sneak up and bite always you. Always yep. <laughs> So, okay. Well, let's talk about, you know, like, just the genres in general. Real quick, uh, we're just going to kind of give a, a real quick recap of 2016. Um, looking at action movies, I was thinking about this a couple days ago. I think the best action was probably on a TV level. I mean, we had Daredevil Season 2, which had some great action. Mm-hmm. We had uh, Game of Thrones had a great action um, with Battle of Bastards. I thought was... You didn't get to see that, did no, you? Oh, yeah. Did you watch that? No. Great action set piece, man. Even if you're not into Game of Thrones, what they did with Battle of Bastards was phenomenal. But on the big screen, there was no raids, no Fury Roads. I can't think of a great action film... Um, for, for last year, I think the best action scene for I, me... I was going to say Captain America yeah. Civil, Civil War. War. Like the, the airport scene. That, that's a that's a like Pantheon-level scene yeah. for action. But um, action movies in general. As a whole, yeah. Martial arts flicks, independent films, you know, yeah. like, like good action films. I don't think there was a really good one last year. I, yeah, I can't think of any. I can't think of one that's... that's Nothing is sticking I mean, out. unless you're un, unless you're a Fast and Furious fan yeah that was, you know, that was that was two years ago you're yeah. right yeah really so yeah there's wow. nothing yeah. see never mind yeah that's like transformers though yeah i can never tell you when I, they come out i assume there's one i assume there's one this year you need your typical comic book action but you even look at movies like um x-men apocalypse you know the third act of that the oh, action Jesus scene Christ. was it was just garbage especially when you put that up against something like the airport scene from civil yep. war right. um so just glossing over that real quick and then we've mentioned kind of like the good year for award nominated movies i mean manchester mm-hmm. by the sea moonlight la la land i'm curious to see yep. if any of those uh, come up on our test. And, and so, some of those movies, I think, you know, are going to stand the test of time. Something yeah. like La La Land is so unique in, in even what it's, you know, it's 14 nominations ties the record, which is, you know, insane. And it's like, it's a very unique movie that I think will we'll 
you know, last for a long time too. So yep. movies that'll stick around. Um, comedies. I don't remember laughing much last year in 2016. Right now, I have a, sh- a T-shirt on that says "What? Don't be a wiener." It has a nice little hot dog on there from Sausage Party. I think that was the the most I laughed in 2016. How about you guys? Uh, well, I think uh, we talked about indies a little bit. I think indie comedies were really strong this year, and I've got a couple on my list um, that we're going to talk about. But I, I, I don't. Yeah. I mean, summer blockbusters. Where was our summer blockbuster comedy? Yeah. Ghostbusters. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, it's like... and that was really about it. And I didn't really enjoy that movie. I didn't. I didn't laugh like I, I really wanted to. No, I mean, so, yeah, there was yeah because there was what there was Ghostbusters. There was Sausage Party. There was I'm sure there was. Uh, there's like central intelligence and nothing, right. nothing like Step Brothers or an original yeah. Dumb and Dumber, you know, yeah, one yeah, or nothing, it, yeah. nothing like that, was there? Nothing that really just rose up and is like, um, the you know, yeah, I'm the, I'm the comedy movie. king of 2016. Right. I don't, I don't remember laughing much at all this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which so, is sad. Yeah, which is sad. Um, horror movies, I'm a huge horror fan. I'm probably the biggest horror fan at this table. And generally speaking, it was a good year. I wasn't a big fan of the horror films, but most horror fans were. You had Lights Out, mm-hmm. uh, Conjuring 2, Hush, Don't Breathe, Train to Busan. I think it was a strong year for horror fans, mm-hmm. you know, right. in general. What would you guys think of the horror? Uh, yeah, I think, I think horror, made a, horror has made kind of a comeback. Um Especially Blumhouse, man. They're really yeah, taking it yeah, by yeah, yeah. Split and the, Get Out this year. Split and Get Out this year. I mean, I, it'll be really hard to knock them out of my top ten. Yeah, honestly. So, me too. Um, and and you mentioned Hush. Hush Hush is not a movie on my top ten list, but I really fucking loved Hush. And it's a very like simple, eloquent little indie movie that did really well. Um, I didn't get to see Don't Breathe, but everyone kind of raves about it. I've seen that in a lot of people's top ten lists even. has the same framework of like People Under the Stairs. I've actually thought yeah. about doing a People Under the Stairs versus Don't Breathe. Oh, I think oh kind really? Of funny, yeah, yeah I, I, and I have to agree. I mean, with kind of what you said, it's like... Uh, <clears throat> Excuse me. The, yeah, horror, I think horror did better than normal this year. It still isn't, unfortunately, they're still not really penetrating the, like, great movie yeah. status that I wish that they would. Yeah. Um, but that's fine. Honestly, horror has never, has rarely really come through and been like, I think everyone can agree this is an amazing movie. Yeah. You might get one every, like, two or three years yeah. where you're like, oh, that's a really good one. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's certainly <clears throat> a handful of horror movies that no one can disagree. It's like, these are really good movies. Yeah. But Did you ever watch Lights Out? No, no. See, Lights Out was my this year's It Follows, which I know a lot of people love It Follows. Yeah, a lot of people do. I didn't care for it. Um, I had almost the same, and I'm not doing this because I'm a Tarantino fan, but we did a whole interview or review um, why Tarantino didn't like it and how we lined up with almost the same, like breaking the movie rules. Mm -hmm. And uh, I felt like it was kind of like Lights Out was this year's It Follows for me. But. A lot of people ate um, it follows and lights out up, you know, quite a bit. So I think it was a pretty good year generally for horror fans. So it was kind of exciting to see. Remind me really quick because I, I still have not quite seen it as another one that I that I missed, but I'm not sure if it was 2016 or 2015. What was Clown? Yeah, that's 2016. Okay, yeah. all right. Yep, yep, yep. <clears throat> yep. Um, let's see. And then if you look uh, at animation. Actually, let's look at the superhero genre. Superhero genre, you had Deadpool, BV, it was all over the place. BBS, mm-hmm. uh, Suicide Squad, Civil War, Doctor Strange, X-Men Apocalypse. I mean, it was all over the place in terms of quality. Yeah, yeah, yeah I completely agree. I mean, you had, you had movies that sucked completely, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. And yeah. then you had movies that were great, like Civil War. Mm-hmm. And then you had movies kind of in the middle for me, which mm-hmm. was Deadpool, Doctor Strange, things like that, which a lot of people loved the hell out of Deadpool last year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah a lot <laughs> of I think, I think it, was a, it was a sleeper like movie that, I mean, he's, he's a character that people 
I guess, kind of new, but unless you really know comics, you don't really know, or you're like, right. oh, that guy that got his mouth shut in that Wolverine movie? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to watch that. And it kind of tricked people into go seeing it and love it. So. Yeah. And what about animation, guys? Animation, we had Zootopia, Kubo, Sausage Party, Kung Fu Panda 3. Again, not, it was kind of a... I thought, I thought animation, again, this year was, was higher than, um, than normal. Um, I saw, I ended up seeing most of the animated films this year. I finally caught up with Kubo. That was the big one that, that I had that's missed. That's what I didn't mention, but I really wanted to see it and still have I'm curious to I see did, your I thoughts did, on Kubo. I did finally see that, but yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, let's see. Yeah. Zootopia, uh, Finding Dory, um, was also this year. Uh, Secret Life of Pets. Yeah, Secret Life of Pets, yeah. Um, there's, I mean, Moana. Yeah, Moana. Which I saw, I ended up seeing that twice, I think. So I, I Panda Three was at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I honestly think it was a really solid year for, for animation. animation. I don't think it. I, again, I don't. I don't know. I don't think it was like. Oh, you know, <laughs> from, from a child's perspective, I think it was pretty solid. From from my perspective, I don't think there's too many that are yeah. memorable there. Yeah. From, for me, well, I'm getting in and out this year. Exactly. You know, inside which, out. Or inside yeah. in and out. Right. <laughs> that's our top ten. That's burger. our top ten porn. Okay. Like I'm just hungry. I mean, I mean, for me, animated uh, was average at um, best. I. I I thought Moana underperformed from what yeah, I expected. I again haven't seen Kubo. I think that would probably change things a little bit. Uh, Finding Dory was a little disappointing as well. Zootopia surprised me, being really well, really good though. You see, Kubo is one of those ones where I respect the craft. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's a movie that was completely forgettable for me. You know, so again, I thought it was kind of just an okay year for animation. A lot of animated films. You know, so I'd be kind of curious what you know yeah. young kids thought of of animation. You know, this year because there was there was a slew right. of them for sure. So, uh, before we whip it out, <laughs> our top tens. Anything else you guys want to say about 2016? You know, outside of movies, it was a shit year. <laughs> hey, the we Cubs won? We the Cubs won. <laughs> I would trade it in for most of the awful shit that happened, though. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it just... You know, 2017 has started out stronger than 2016 started out. I'm a, I have a lot higher hopes, you know, for the summer blockbusters going into it. I mean, even last year, knowing what the blockbusters were going to be, I was kind of like, eh. <laughs> and I was right. And this year, I'm kind of like, yay! And I hope <laughs> I don't fucking disappoint myself. <laughs> all right. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, I agree. 2016, 2016 was, was all right, but it's just hopefully... It, look, 2016 was better than 15. I'm hoping it's all just a primer for a great 17. Yep. Yeah. But again, coming out the gate strong so far. So, yeah. are you happy with open. your ten list tonight? Um, you know what, I'm, I'm happy enough. Uh-huh. I'll be honest with you. The what what's on my ten is there. I feel that you know, similar to 2015, there's several of them that I feel like in a stronger year they would easily not be there. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's a little disappointing. But again, as I said, the ones that are on there though are stronger overall. Yeah. Than than last year. Did so, you, did you I'm guys, all right. Did you I'm guys have right. a hard time compiling your list? Because something that Ryan and I always talk about every year is, for me, I'm a geek at heart, but I love good filmmaking. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard sometimes when you take the summer tent poles, even if they're quality films, mm-hmm. against some of the independent dramas, you know? Yep. So where do you put, like, a Moonlight or a Manchester next to, like, something like a Civil, Civil War? War? Yeah. What comes first, you know? Right. It's, yeah, it's it's a very big question. and Because some of these sites would be like, well, Moonlight... 
let me tell you, you know, and I'm like, okay, well, let me tell you how badass some comic book movies are, right. you know, so it's, it's a, it's a, it's a fine, fine act, you know, yeah. I'm gonna tell you where I had, where I, I had, I was kind of forced to go this year with mine is, um, you know, it, when, in the years when you have movies that are really entertaining that you connect with personally, and then ones that are, you know, you know, really good as oh. far as the craft and, and everything else, you know, great, amazing acting and all this other stuff. It's um, this year. I I personally found that I had some I had some where on a on a, a technical level, on a basic level, like you know filmmaking. I'm like, this is not as strong as I want it to be. But god damn it, I was entertained. Yeah, exactly. And <clears throat> then you know some other ones where it's like, this is a great movie, and I know this is a great movie, and I like it. But I don't know. There's just something that's not not hitting home with me. And so I had a very hard time, especially, well, actually, with most all of them, because uh-huh. you're right, there was some that I'm like, what do I do? Like, I really like this movie, and it's a good movie, but man, do I really, can I really kind of shun yeah. these other ones? Yeah. Should they be higher? Should they be lower? Right. I had, this year is strictly me. It's just my gut. It's That's good. If I ever got backed in the corner, it's like, which one did I like more? Fuck you, I like these. Which one did I, exactly. It's a fuck you. This is what I like. Yeah, yeah that's year. good. That's good. So that's what I had to do, and I. It sucks when that happens because a lot of times you, it's it's a godsend when a year comes along where you're like, I've got I've got 10, 12 movies yeah. that are really well yeah. done and I really love, and I gotta these two gotta duke it out. Yeah. So, I, dude, but I, not this year. <laughs> I tell you what, guys, I had twelve. And I promised myself no ties. You'll see no ties tonight. So I had to lose. I had to lose two. Good job, but, I tell you, but I tell you what, why it was hard. <laughs> There's four movies that I could really break down into two double features. Mm-hmm. That whenever I think of one, I think about the other. <laughs> okay, so I had to end up losing. I, I lost one off of my list, and I kept the other three on in in spots. You know, in, in actual picks. But I told you it was hard losing one of them. My number eleven and ten mm-hmm. go hand in hand for me, and I think that's very sentimental for me this year too. Yeah. So it was really rough, but um, that's that's no ties for me. Right. So yep. all right, anything cool. you want to add? Um, I just try to factor in a little bit, like how do I think these movies are going to stand up to me in five years, yeah. ten years, mm-hmm. you know, twenty years. Because you did yours by Rotten Tomato scores, right? Yeah, I just whatever. <laughs> the and then I was like, I divided that by number of Oscars, <laughs> and then. No. <laughs> and then and then multiply the box office. I did a small, small sample survey of people close just, to me. Just me and my cat. And <laughs> my cat looked at the TV while it was on, and it was a good movie. <laughs> All right, well, let's start with our number 10. Kyle, and then we'll go Ryan and then myself. What was your number 10 uh, of 2016? My number 10 is something that I watched this year. Um, it got zero Oscar nominations. Um, and it's a l- weird little comedy that came out this summer called Swiss Army Man. Um, Swiss Army Man barely made the list. It was I was going between that and Deadpool for a while because Deadpool is uh, my favorite comic book character. You got but the Deadpool shirt on tonight I too. Got representing. I got it on. Um, but I went Swiss Army Man because I think it's gonna it's gonna have that longer effect on me. I think Daniel Radcliffe gives a fucking great performance. Yeah. Paul Dano as well. It's really a two person movie. Um, it, it seems more like one and a half person because with da- without Daniel Radcliffe, you know, moving, it's kind of weird. Um. It, for people who haven't seen it, it's a movie about a guy who's trying to kill himself because this girl that he sees on the bus every day, he can't tell her how he, much that he's in love with her. And so he tries to kill himself and he finds a dead body that talks to him and farts all the time. And it's like, <laughs> that's really weird. This is how they sold the movie to Paul Dano in one sentence. He heard this sentence and said, I'll do your movie. They said, 
we want a movie where the first part makes you laugh and the last part makes you cry. <laughs> that's funny. And he's like, I'll fucking do it. And and that's what this movie does. It is really funny, but it is really sentimental towards the end. Uh, really fucking good chemistry between Radcliffe and Dano. Yeah, I, you know what? That's a great pick. Uh, had some great performances. Um, the only it lost me at that that final scene. Mm-hmm. That final scene where everyone's just watching them go off. I it just mind fucked me. I yeah. didn't understand it, but it's <laughs> great performances, man. There's even some you know like great music in it, and mm-hmm. there's some really good good dialogue too. Great. Pick. It's a really inventive movie. Too. Yeah, it is an inventive movie for yeah. sure. All right. Um, my number 10 is uh, Manchester by the Sea. Um, obviously, Casey Affleck um, does an amazing job, uh, as does Lucas Hedges, the the um, nephew in the movie. I thought he was actually phenomenal. Um, I mean, strong performances from everybody. I don't think it's a shocker. You know, it's just it's that kind of movie you're yeah. going to get good, strong performances. I, I really enjoyed the way that, um, that the story played out keep they keep jumping back in time revealing a little bit more about the event that led to um uh casey affleck kind of disconnecting from society and everything else Mm -hmm. uh if if anyone doesn't know basically uh uh, casey affleck's brother dies and his uh nephew is willed to him he becomes his guardian um very reluctantly uh, and Casey Affleck's character has had a major tragedy happen to him uh, already. And really, there's not a whole lot to the story when it comes down to like a plot. There's not a whole lot that happens. It's really... It's a lot of nothing that happens. Yeah, it's a whole lot of nothing. And uh, it's... It, but it's one of those like kind of character study. Or just, or just a, a, a fly on the wall of a broken man's life. And in the end, I... I respect the film a lot. I was I was entertained. I thought it was amazing to watch. It's such a downer, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's such a bummer, and that doesn't always mean like you know not good for me. There are plenty of movies that are downers that I movies that I are love. supposed to elicit emotions, right? No and, matter what that emotion is. But um, you know, in the end, that's that's why it's on the bottom end of my list. Is that. You know, sometimes it's just that's just not enough. Yeah. I I don't need it to be happy. I just needed there to be a little bit more to it, really, to bump it up on my list. But the performances are amazing. Yeah. It's a movie that I I kind of doubt I'll watch much more yeah. in yeah. my lifetime. I may watch it once or twice again, but it is a really solid film. And I don't know if it's the first, but it's one of the few ones to come from Amazon. Yeah. As a production company, yeah. and so if this is how they're starting out, That's, I'm very interested to see to what they trend. do. They paid for a lot of movies at Sundance this year. So. Oh yeah, yeah, no, nice. Them and Netflix. So, so. yep. All right, um, my number ten. Um, let me talk real quick about my would have been my number eleven. It would have been Manchester by the Sea, and uh, there's two movies that go hand in hand uh, with me and very sentimental. Um, and it's two movies about grieving. And uh, I was going to do an outline for an episode called Sitting Shiva this year um, about just the the grieving process and how you just sitting with somebody and just letting them grieve. And I think um, that does a great job of that, especially there's a scene in Manchester by the Sea where he goes upstairs and it's the only time when the kid really breaks down because the chicken falls out of the the freezer. And he goes upstairs and one of my favorite moments of that is where he just sits all night long with his nephew, you know, and falls asleep in his room. And it was so powerful to me. Um, So... That and a movie called A Monster Calls um, mm. is is so powerful. Um, a Monster Calls is about a boy who seeks the help of an ancient tree monster to help cope with the illness of his loved one. Um, it's directed by J.A. Boyana. Um, probably just butchered that, but who was just announced, by the way, to direct the fifth installment of Jurassic Park. Actually, I think it just started filming today. Really? So I um, have you know 
this should be should be a good one, I think, because uh, he handled uh, Monster Calls very well. Um, has the voice of Liam Neeson. It stars Sigourney Weaver and Felicity Jones, which I surprised didn't get a nomination this year. I thought she mm-hmm. really nailed um, that. But it's a very special movie to me. It's the last movie I took my mother-in-law to go to watch. Um, and we had, after the movie, I had tears rolling down my eyes, uh, both my mother-in-law and I. And it's, it's a movie that I cried the most in, in 2016, even uh, more so than Manchester by the Sea. And if anybody's watched Manchester mm-hmm. by the Sea, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll grab you by the heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a great family movie. I think it'd be used to talk with families about death, grief, isolation, just the, the shitty times in life. Um, it would be higher on my list, but the ancient, the ancient monster kind of reminds you of Groot a little bit from mm-hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy. But I guess this movie started filming when Guardians of the Galaxy released. And, and at that time, Marvel, I don't think, was, you know... Mm-hmm. They were just... I mean, Guardians really helped put it on the map. You know, I mean, yeah, they had Iron Man and such, but yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy was a big surprise for a lot of people, I think, especially an independent you know studio that made, you know, um, a monster calls. Um, but so they didn't have enough time to change the design and things right. like that. So that kind of takes me out every once in a while. But this is a, a powerful movie that I think, uh, you know, will teach you how to grieve alongside Manchester by the Sea. So it was really hard to remove both or one of these movies from each other, because when I think of one, I think of the other. Yeah. Uh, but Monster Calls yeah. is my number 10. If you haven't watched it, check it out. And I will say that there's one thing about Manchester by the Sea. I kind of underplayed, you know, what all goes in there or what all kind of happens in the movie. Right. But you're right. If if uh, Monster Calls, you know, kind of shows how to grieve, you know, uh, Manchester by the Sea, not only is the best, it's not doesn't show the best grieving process, yeah. but it shows but everyone grieves the different. real, shows the real deal. Yeah. You know, it's, and yeah. that's, again, it's a kind of fly on the wall kind of thing. You're just, it's not a morality tale. It's not a anything. It's yeah. just... It's not a boo-hoo, someone on. died, let's get back on with their lives. It's like, oh, we gotta, you know, figure out how to oh. bury this person. We gotta well, get their boat in order. It's and so like, it's it's so real though, because that life goes on. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you I mean you're grieving, you're not grieving, the world has to keep spinning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I like that open ending to Manchester because he says earlier in the movie that's a powerful line where he says something like I can't can't beat it. I can't, I can't beat, beat it. it. Great, great line. It. I can't yep. beat that it. That is. But I think my feeling at the end of that movie is, you know, he's he's sitting there with his his uh, his nephew at the end of the movie. I think they're on the boat or something, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. And uh, I get the feeling that he will beat it, but it's he, I don't know if he'll beat it, but I think he'll be able to cope. Well, yeah, and that's the whole thing. I mean, at the end, it's just you just get this sense like, look, the situation that he was thrust in. He's like, I can't. It's not. You're right. He can't beat it, and as a result, he's like, I can't be what you need to be although quite frankly he does a pretty amazing job yeah all things considered i think but, he needs someone to teach him how to grieve and i think his yeah. nephew will be there for him and then and that goes back into my monster calls where you know he thought this ancient monster would be there to cure this this horrible nasty disease that i think his mom has cancer or something mm-hmm. and it, the monster's not there for that it's there you know to to teach him and show him how to let go and how to grieve and, and how to to have a life after the death of his mother. Yeah. And I think it's it's a, such a valuable tool. So that's why it made my number 10 and beat Manchester by the Sea. But both yeah. are, are great movies that mm-hmm. are tear, just tear jerkers of 2016. <laughs> so, all right, what's your number nine? Uh, my number nine uh, is a weird little comedy, but you don't laugh a whole lot at it. Uh, <laughs> it got uh, one Oscar nomination for original screenplay, and that's The Lobster. Huh. Uh, one that Ryan hasn't seen. Uh, uh, one I missed as well. Looks uh, great. It, it, it is a very weird movie. And for me to try to even sit here and explain <laughs> the premise would be really difficult. Um, basically, it's about these people that if you're single, um, you get forced to go to a hotel to find a mate again. Um, you have 30 days to find a mate. 
or they will turn you into an animal. <laughs> but you um, get to choose you your You get animal. to choose your animal. He chooses the lobster because the lobster lives for a long time and can, you know, kind of be by itself or whatever. Because his wife's died and he doesn't want to, like, move on. Yeah. That's not... It, it, most people, like, if you lose someone close to you, you don't want to just move on immediately. But this is what this world is. Um, and then there's, you know, incentives to, you know, extend your time by killing people, a part of a resistance that refuse to go to the hotel. You can... And it's it's a very crazy movie. Um... But it's 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 just really fucking weird. I mean, there's like lines like uh, a hotel manager comes in and she's like, "If you encounter any problems that you can't resolve, you will be assigned children, and that usually helps." <laughs> <laughs> and it, and God, it, it, I, I can't explain the movie. It's just something you gotta watch, and it's it's really it's again like Swiss Army Man, a really fucking unique, out of the box, inventive idea. A year that was full of movies like that, and. Lobster delivers. Good deal. Uh, my number nine was Fences. Um, really? Yeah. Oh, surprised. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised too. I had to. This is one I had to think over uh, a lot, and I had to juggle this one because this is one that you kind of waited on. It, well, not waited on, but it was a movie that you didn't get to see until late later yeah, in twenty exactly. or earlier in twenty seventeen. Yeah, exactly. And um, you know the the trailer is is very. Good. Yeah. The trailer's amazing, which is really just one monologue from uh, Denzel Washington uh, delivered to his son. And um, it's, you know, real powerful. And like, oh, man, I'm going to get in here and I'm going to get some, I'm going to get some powerhouse scenes, <laughs> you know. And that's that was my expectation going into it because of the scene that I had, had witnessed in the trailer. And, and when you actually get into it, at least my impression is that although there are some some powerful scenes and stuff. And, you know, look, that's a drama's action set piece. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. When you go in and you get two or three characters and they're really, you know, verbally duking it out. And I mean, that's, that stuff can energize you. And I was, I was sort of surprised borderline let down because of my expectations. But when I go back and think about it, it is actually very similar to Manchester where you are just, you are just witnessing a family. Um, just, going through their life with this man who's who's jaded and jilted and just kind of angry at life because of what um you know <laughs> just his his life and how he's he's kind of taking it out in a way on his family but i it's it's so weird because again there's there's not a whole lot of plot here there's not a whole lot of like here's the events and they do this and they do this and they do that it just kind of life unfolds for a while and then at the end, the the family has to kind of decide what they thought of Denzel Washington's character, more or less, and it's sort of ambiguous in the end. But uh, the the performances are great. It's a very stationary movie. Like almost the whole movie takes place in the backyard right. of an apartment mm-hmm. or inside the apartment, and that's about it. So it's not. Well, I mean, uh, it's, it's pulled from a play. From a play. So and, it's like it, you can't. <laughs> Change too much. Exactly. Jump a bunch of settings. The play actually had Denzel Washington in it as well. And Viola Davis. I mean, a lot of the players, you know, from the latest run of the play, return for the film, and they all, they all just knock it out of the park. It is a very, very, very good movie. I, I do not so secretly wish that it was higher. I wish that there was a little more oomph to the whole thing. But what's there is, to me, very entertaining. And again, as anybody who knows what good acting looks like and and it's phenomenally done they deserve everything that they get in my opinion as far as their oscar nominations great film good deal 
Uh, my number nine had everything going against it for me. Um, it's Doctor Strange, and I'll oh. and I'll talk about that in a second. Mm -hmm. But um, in case you didn't know, it's the origin of the goddamn Sorcerer Supreme. Yeah. All right, <laughs> it, it's directed by Scott Derrickson. One of the things oh. going against it for for I think both of us. Yep. Um, he directed one of my worst, probably my worst film of 2014 called Deliver Us from Evil. <laughs> I remember us being in the theater, aka Here Comes the Devil. <laughs> I remember being in the theater watching this, and I, we were just bored to tears. Oh my God. And I can't even. It's been since 2014 since I. Watches, so I can't really talk about it too much, but I remember just being it was goddamn awful. It was terrible. And we both, because you know, we, we left the theater and we're like, What'd you think? What'd you think? Yeah. And we're like, Oh my god, this is fucking yeah. bullshit. <laughs> I was looking forward to it too. It yeah, it really was. <laughs> so they announced yeah. that Scott Derrickson was going to direct Doctor Strange, and I was like, Okay, this is going to be just a shitstorm. Mm -hmm. um, and, and he was going to work with his normal writing partner. Yeah, yeah. And then with that, we get a trailer. The trailer looked very safe. It looked like Inception meets uh, Batman Begins. You know, yeah, it looked yeah, like yeah. something I've yeah. seen. It was an origin film. It was like, are we done with origin films yet in the MCU? Do we still need them? And I had very little hope. Um, and it's it, it, altogether, it's not the Pantheon film that Marvel needs. I think they really need it to yeah, just they do. nail a Pantheon film. But it's 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 safe. It's good. I thought it was quality. Um, they nailed his character. Um, something so important to me. They nailed the effects of that world. Yeah. Um, the magic is something they needed to nail down. And going forward, I think that. You know, we're going to have a badass adventure with Doctor Strange. I think yep. they nailed the magic. Uh, there's, I think that was perfect. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is great. Um, I recently watched or seen some concept design of Ryan Gosling mm -hmm. as as a Doctor Strange, and it almost happened. And I'm so glad they went with Benedict Cumberbatch because yep. the longest time, that was going against it as well because I wanted Viggo Mortensen as Doctor Strange when they were kind of like, we're going to do Ryan Gosling, Viggo, Benedict Cumberbatch. I Joaquin. can't. Yeah, wa yeah, Joaquin, yeah. yeah. And I was like, now I can't think of anybody else but Benedict Cumberbatch jumping into the, the Sorcerer Supreme. Um, I can't wait for the Avengers and Thor Ragnarok. I geek out every time I think about, you know, um, everything that they developed here going forward. Um, Chutel Ejiofor could be our next Loki. I thought he did a fantastic oh, job. Yeah. Um, just an overall quality experience. Um, I love the boss battle at the end, too, where mm -hmm. he tricks uh, Dormammu. Yeah. I thought the third act was just as fun as the third act of Guardians of the Galaxy. Something a little bit different, you know? You have a dance-off in Guardians of the Galaxy. Here you have, like, what was it? The... Um, um, the time loop. The time loop was was ingenious. I'm glad that's there. I could watch that over and over again. So overall, just a quality time. And I think it's the, the second best superhero movie of 2016. Mm -hmm. So that's my number nine. Cool. And my number eight is the best superhero movie of 2016. <laughs> that's Captain America Civil War. Um, scene we already talked about the airplane or the the airport scene um, is gonna be infamous for superhero movies for for years to come. That 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 initial battle between Iron Man and Captain America coming together with their squads, our introduction to Spider Man, the MCU, you know, Giant Man making his appearance. I mean, that scene alone puts this, you know, at, at number eight. But it's it's a good movie top to bottom. They do that little switch switcheroo from the the comics where you know uh, the person who goes against the government is Captain America, and or sorry, the other way around. And in the movie, you know, Captain America is the one who's like, hey. Government, like back the fuck up a little bit. Um, it's just really funny that they brought, they introduced Black Panther really well. Uh, again, like I said, Spider Man really well. I some people didn't like him, but I I liked Zemo in the movie. I liked Zemo quite a bit. I thought he was he was he was not this super villain. He's just a guy, and that was fucking great to me. Um, 
I I'm, I'm, I'm sure the way that you just said you we're going to talk about it a little bit more, so I'll just end that there. Yeah, and you know uh, what? No, no, no nominations for an Oscar either. Yeah, so. you know what? I can mm. say, like, that that airport scene, I've heard some people say, well, this doesn't make sense or this doesn't make sense. And my normal, my my rule, it doesn't, as long as you're having fun. I'm having so much I'm fucking having, fun. I'm having so much fun with that airport scene. I, and I don't even care if some things don't even line up. I have a huge problem with what Vision's doing yeah. in that or scene. Not right. Or not doing. <laughs> right. But I don't give a shit because it's the interactions and Spider-Man and then you have... Um, um, Brody didn't die, but he should have. <laughs> <laughs> you just have so Whatever. many interactions and it's just fun. Ant-Man, when he comes in with his cameo <laughs> and he turns into Giant Man, which is, that's, I don't know, I don't know if that's, like, when you're writing that, is that a safe move to turn him into Giant Man in the Avengers movie and not save it for his own movie? Mm-hmm. But they, everything they do was completely perfect, and I had a huge smile on my face the entire time that action scene was playing. Yeah. Yeah, so good. All right, my number eight. Now, here we go. Here's Uh-oh. where here's where we get to talk about the visceral, like, what does it make me feel? Versus, uh, you know, an unbiasedly, you know, amazing, you know, this is a great movie. Yeah. Um, I wrestled with this one a lot, but I cannot get this fucking movie out of my head because of how it made me feel. Sing. Mm, the wow. animated, the little animated movie from Illumination about singing animals. Mm. <laughs> Look, uh, all in all, the movie's got to be a three. You can't go higher than a three as far as just, you know, everything considered. But I don't know what to tell you. This this movie, for whatever reason, um, just warmed my goddamn heart. Yeah. <laughs> I, lo- I, I love this movie. They, they introduce a lot of characters. It's an ensemble piece. There is no real lead character. Right. Um, you know, true ensemble piece. And everyone gets their little story. And it's just, it's like, it's just enough so that when they get their moment, it works. And I was really surprised that I'm like, huh, I'm like, I, I, I'm, I'm on the verge of tearing up about this <laughs> big fucking ape. <laughs> it's like, that's my son <laughs> singing on a piano. That's <laughs> like, what is this? So, um, I, I remember I wrote a real quick little review on Facebook where I'm just like, you know what, this movie's not phenomenal but uh you know you have to take the kids to see it but i couldn't get out of my fucking head uh-huh. so i was just like how can i how can i not have this on my top 10 and then when i had to put it up against manchester by the sea and fences <laughs> i was like all right oh you know what i'll throw sing a bone i'll throw it at the bottom uh-huh. and then as i'm sitting there i'm like but Fuck it! I loved it more than those other movies. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I can't. W- I I can't wait to watch it again. Ryan, so you've you reached know, you've reached an enlightenment. enlightenment. <laughs> <laughs> you have you know yourself as a video of that. <laughs> so there you go. There was another movie that came out on Netflix. It was a Netflix exclusive mm-hmm. uh, by Christopher Guest called Mascots, which had like a really similar sort of story, but it's like. People that are like college and high school mascots right. coming together for a big yeah. contest, so there's not like a real focal point character, so you don't know who's gonna win towards the end. Yeah, and I mean, it's, that was a good movie. So yeah. I sure, I mean, I assume seeing will because it's got better songs in it. Than, I, I, yeah, look, I'll really never, cool. I'll never argue with somebody if they come up to me and say, "What are you talking about, dude? Sing, sing was not that good." I'm like, "All right, I feel like <laughs> I'm, I'm alright with that," sure. but you know, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I like singing elephants. <laughs> <Dancing kids. laughs> And that's kind of how I feel about my number eight. (laughs) My number eight. Last year, I I had a movie on my list that I still stand by. It was Cooties. 
All right? I took a lot of <laughs> shit from that, especially from a one, Spencer Edging. <laughs> okay? Yeah. I love Cooties, man. Cooties puts a smile. I still want a Netflix series of Cooties where they're going off and they're just fighting. like uh, It's the walking dead of kids. That's that's what it should have been. Oh, my gosh. I would be completely happy with that. But I thought it was humorous. I thought it was great. Uh, my number eight is, I think, the, one of the most underrated films of 2016, um, and that's Clown. Um, Clown released in 2014 in Italy, but it didn't get a, a U.S. release until 2016, June, I believe. Yeah. Um, but it's about a father who finds a clown suit for his son's birthday party, only to realize that it's not a suit, but a demon skin and hair. <laughs> <laughs> it's directed, which is very interesting, mm-hmm. by John Watts, who is directing Spider-Man Homecoming later this yes. year. And if you look back in 2010, John Watts has had a very interesting career. He made a a fake trailer... All right. Well, real quick, this movie sat on the on the shelves for two years, okay? And then it just got dumped into theaters, dumped into to video stores. And most people I know haven't even heard of it. Um, in 2010, John Watts uploaded a fake trailer, okay? Called it Clown, and he put that it was, a, he announced that Eli Roth would produce the film. Okay, the Master of Horror, from Master of Horror, Eli Roth, no. <laughs> he never had anything to do with this, okay? Eli Roth caught it, and he goes... You know what? This looks pretty goddamn entertaining. And that took some balls to put Eli Roth's name on it. So he goes, you know what? Let's do this. Okay, I'm going to give you guys a chance. And, and he, he got their movie made. So he gave them that shot. But it's a it's the fusion of horror and dark comedy. And if you like movies like American Werewolf in London or The Fly, just the metamorphosis of going from um, this human to a clown to like this demon, yeah. it's it's fun body horror. The effects are old school effects. Yeah. Okay, so everything. Did you ever watch Clown? I did. I watched it in 2015, actually. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it didn't even enter my radar. That oh, this yeah. I couldn't even movie. watch it until late 2016. Like that's yeah. the only time I could actually get my physical copy because um, I I didn't want to pull it out of the air or anything like that. But um, if you like the breakdown of clown mythology that's there, it stars um, Peter Stormare, which is a fun supporting actor too. Peter Stormare is just great. Yeah, he's he's so much fun. And then Andy Powers, who I tried to set up an interview with, but Andy Powers playing that body whore was, was fantastic. Man, I, I, I loved it. But um, I don't know. I think it, it doesn't reinvent the will either as a horror film, but it's just no. it's, it's good, Halloween three. <laughs> it's just a good solid horror flick, and we don't get many of those. And it was my favorite horror film. Um, well, maybe, maybe my next one could be considered horror, but for the most part, this was my straight, my straight favorite horror film of 2016. All right. So, all right. Uh, my number seven, uh, 14 Oscar nominations I already brought up. It's, it's La La Land. Um, I like La La Land because it's, it's a really unique kind of film. It, it harkens back to your singing in the range, your, your, your fifties and sixties, West Side Story musicals, you know, yeah. like everyone's just stopping what they're doing and singing and dancing and we're all happy, but it adds realism and it adds uh, humor and it adds sorrow. My heart wasn't ready for that goddamn realism. <laughs> <laughs> and it was and that's and that's where it takes that turn. And I think that's where we could we can look at things um as far as musicals going in the future, where it doesn't have everything has to be all tied up and pretty and happy with a bow at the end of a musical it can go the Casablanca ending yeah. where I'm not going to get the girl, but you know what? I'm okay with that, you know? He he has to let her go, and they both end up But wait, at the end of Casablanca, it. wasn't there a reason he couldn't have the girl? He couldn't have her because the Nazis would kill her. And she was married, too, wasn't Plus she? Plus, she was another <laughs> dude. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, you know, I, I, used to, I love Casablanca. I thought I watched it again, and I was like, how did I 
fucking missed this. She's got to do what a yeah. dickhead. <laughs> Fuck this guy. Well, it's because she thought he was dead, and then they reconnect in Morocco. Well, that's, oh, that's right. Uh, so that's yeah. it's a God damn Morocco. <laughs> <laughs> Which echoes La La Land because she has a man too. It is. It is. It is. It is. And that's why I love it. Casablanca is my favorite movie of all Casablanca time. Casablanca is, is amazing. Um, and it, it does have some reminiscence of that, like mixed in with Singing in the Rain. Like I said, it's got this very old school feel, and I love. We just kicked this movie off with a great fucking musical mm-hmm. about how everything is so happy and shiny and beautiful here in L.A. And then you get the title card that says winter. Uh-huh. And you're like, oh, you fucking assholes out in California like living the high life. Um, yeah, and, and like I said, the, gr- the guy not getting the girl at the end. Um, you know, it, Spoilers. It's, it's, yeah, who gives a fuck? If you haven't seen it by now, then whoopty shit. You're probably going to get it spoiled tonight when you watch the Oscars. Anyways... Um, yeah, and it's got it's got fourteen nominations, and I think they're pretty well deserved. Cool. Um, my number seven is a small movie that, thank God for Netflix, um, Sing Street, uh, which um, I, I I wrestled with a little bit, um, but it was that was actually it's pretty easy to get it on there. It's it's a simple, pretty simple tale as a kid. Absolutely, kid goes to what like a boarding school or some shit he's or it's not even a boarding his, school yeah, his it's parents just, are like starting to he was at a private school that's right but his parents are like going through some rough times so they send him to that's school. right that's yeah. right so he goes to public school and uh things are just a catholic school that's catholic what it is school, right. and things are shit for him and um but he meets a girl and he wants to impress the girl and so he starts a band and it's coming of age. That's it. Yeah, and it is directed by a, a director that we really respect from a couple years ago. I think it's twenty fourteen. No, 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 that's too. No, that's no, too no. early. Twenty two thousand seven, probably. No, it's later than that. Fuck, it's somewhere in the goddamn <laughs> middle. I think it's. I think it's like 2010, 2011. But he directed yeah. once. Once, right. yeah, yeah, which is a fan, which made our top five that year, I believe. Yeah. So, yep, um, yeah, great movie. Lots of good, um, lots of great music, uh, and overall, uh, again, just. A feel-good film. Uh, to me, it kind of it, it does kind of fall apart, kind of near the end. It, it pushes it yeah. pushes my um, suspension of. <laughs> the thing, I mean, we just but, talked about La La Land, where it has that like kind of a realistic ending. Sing Street's kind of a little too glorified. Sing, and, like, Sing Street's the opposite. Yeah. Sing Street is where it's, it's like everything's fucking rainbows. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but it's it's a great time. I think I feel like everybody can. Watch this film and at least for a good seventy percent of it, relate with the feelings that are going on and what's you know the kind of more or less allegory. See, that's how I wish Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone (laughs) they were in a boat riding off into the sunset to live happily ever in a boat. Fucking hated that. Riding to a jazz club. (laughs) I love them so much. By the way, two thousand seven was once. Okay, (laughs) I was right. Give it right there. (laughs) Was it really? Holy shit! Two thousand seven. I called it, bro. All right, high five for me. Be wrong. It's my fucking complex mind. Watch Sing Street. At least watch it once. Fucking great. Yeah. All right, my number seven. Could probably take number three, four, if I completely understood it. <laughs> okay. I know where you're going. You know where I'm going. I, where you're going as well. <laughs> I love this movie, and mm. it's my 2001 Space Odyssey, okay, of this year, because I don't understand. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with not knowing, and it's going to be like my life goal of trying to figure out every <laughs> bit of this movie, but it's The Wailing. Yeah. Wailing's yeah. my number seven. Um, it's a horror mystery hybrid about a, a stranger that arrives in a little village after mysterious sickness starts spreading, and a policeman is drawn into the incident and is forced to solve the mystery in order to save his daughter. Um, it's directed by Hong Jin. 
Jinna. I hope I got that right. Of course um, you did. Of course I did. And it stars... Your pronunciations uh, of American names are way off sometimes. <laughs> when have you ever mispronounced something, Brad? <laughs> but it stars uh, Duwan uh, Wok, I believe his name is. I just butchered his name. I'm sure you of it as well. killing it, my friend. And I will not pronounce any of the other fine talent <laughs> out of respect. <laughs> okay, but people are talking about a Korean film this year called Train to Busan. Mm. And I think that they should be talking about the whaling. Absolutely. I think the whaling yeah. kicks the shit out of Train to Busan. Um, this was my nice surprise of 2016, where we actually sat down and watched it. Yep. And we're, we're catching up with all these movies. And mostly, mostly the movies that we miss, mm-hmm. we watch and we, we almost call them. We can be like, yeah, that's kind of what I expected, yep. or you know, that was that was close to what I expected. But um, the whaling, mm-hmm. I think, blew past both of our yep. um, expectations. Yep. Make um, it three, yeah. really. Yeah. That's yeah. that's awesome. It was my favorite performance, I think, of this year um, of Duwan. Um, his his complex character. He goes from a bumbling cop um, to by the end of this movie, he's very comedic. And by the end of this movie, you take him completely serious. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the it's it's a perfection in his with his character his character and the storytelling combined. Yeah. It's this exercise in tone. Mm-hmm. I love a good exercise where it's it, the, the tone of this movie. I've never seen anything like it yeah. where it's a little bit of everything, but the director is in complete control yep. of his movie. Everything it has uh, some of my favorite um, locations. The, uh, the the villages were mm-hmm. this this kind of uh, um, exorcism or this this um, possession this this mystery that's going on. Yeah. And this it's some of my favorite locations. Beautiful cinematography, awesome comedic beats. Um, it's a fun supernatural horror film. It's one of my favorite scenes of last year too. With would you say it's an an exorcist dueling? An evil from across the village. There, there, yeah. There's a ri- there's a ritual happening, and there are mm-hmm. there are forces going in both directions from across the <laughs> from village. Across the village, and yeah, it's some of the the coolest stuff. And it, it plays with horror cliches, but then it mm-hmm. turns them on their head. Like the exorcist that kind of comes in, or the, the priest that comes yeah. in. We thought he was going to be the your, he, your your American. Go ahead. He comes he comes in and he's wearing flashy clothes. You know what I'm saying? You, this guy looks like a rock star. He's like yeah. the rock star exorcist. And you expect, you expect him to come in and be like, oh shit, this is real... This is real shit. Yeah. Like, I'm just a Miss Cleo fucking thing yeah, over exactly, here. Exactly. Exactly. But no, he knows his shit. And he handles his shit. And, and oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't give everything away, but um, very surprised when. And and the thing is, as those scenes are so fucking intense. Uh-huh. This you are right. I I the tone shift in this is so masterfully and gradually masterfully. done. Yes, it is so. It is so perfect. And by the time it's done, that shit is intense as fuck. Yeah, I um, yeah. I can't. If you ask me, you know, like the ending of this movie to explain it to you, I don't think I could. That's why it's kind of I've up seen there it three for times. Me. Couldn't fucking explain this yeah, movie to you at all. Exactly, but yeah. that I wish that I could have the restraint and the 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 craftsmanship that this director has. I mean, this is a guy to watch out for. I mean, the, the yep. tone of this movie is one of my favorite tones of last year. I think this yep. movie is fantastic. Go watch it; it's excellent. Yep. Absolutely. All right, so my number six um, is another little indie kind of darling movie that I I just saw today, actually. Um, and it snuck into my list, seeing it for the first time. It has no nominations, and it's just a fun little quirky movie called Hunt for the Wilder People. Um, I really like this movie. It's, I'm, it's a comedy, but it's not like laugh out loud all the time. It's like little chuckles here and there. It's it's gorgeously shot like it's a very understatedly beautifully shot movie 
Um, and it's directed by Taika Waititi, who hopefully we're going to talk about on next year's list with Thor Ragnarok. Um, someone that I've always really loved, and his little preacher character in it is fucking hilarious, <laughs> where he's talking about one door and death leads to Fanta and Coke Zero, and <laughs> the other door leads to what? Jesus? No. No, I thought that too, but... No, there's actually another door. And what's behind that door? Jesus? Yep, Jesus. Jesus is behind He likes to trick you like that sometimes. <laughs> and, uh, like, it's just, it's really funny. Sam Neill is a really fucking uh, fantastic. As it, Man, people don't know this movie, so I should explain it a little bit, right? Um, but this kid who's getting bumped around from foster home to foster home ends up with someone who's like a far distant aunt relative out in the middle of the fucking nowhere in New Zealand and he's obviously gonna just try to run away again but she like keeps bringing him back you know like hey we got pancakes and he's a fat kid she knows that she's like come eat some pancakes and so he does and she ends up unexpectedly dying and the uncle had no intention of ever wanting him there anyways and so the kid's like all right I'm just leaving and the uncle goes out to get him breaks his ankle and it turns into a fiasco where they have to stay out there. I mean, this movie changes four times from what you think it's mm-hmm. going to be. I think they break it into four or five chapters. And each of those chapters yeah. could be its own fucking movie. Um, and they, they make it back into a, the town. And these people think that he kidnapped the kid and he's a child molester. And like, <laughs> then they go back out on the lamb again intentionally this time. And it's it's just a really fun movie. Like, fun performances from the, this kid. What's uh, his name? is Julian Dennison. Uh, he's really fun in it. Sam Neill is awesome. Uh, just good movie. Go check it out. Yeah, yeah. very, it's very on, on Amazon. Yeah, I I thought it was really good. Um, there's, I it's a movie that I I watched uh, with my kids actually. Yeah. And um, aside aside from the uh, accusations of pedophilia, yeah. that whole scene, um, I'd say it was a, be a perfectly acceptable family film, more yeah. or less. Some swearing, this and that. But I was uh, I was I wasn't. I, mean, I had heard a lot about it, and everybody loved it. So I was still, I was still very happy with it in the end. I feel that it is a movie that if you watched it another time or two, you could really grab on to the themes underneath and mm-hmm. more of the um, almost allegorical stuff that's going on. I mean, there's there's a lot going on there, um, but very good. Yeah, and they, they don't go down that path that you think it's going to go. It's where it's like it's not going to be like oh these two people who are in total opposites they're going to come together and be super happy right, by the end. Yeah. They kind of don't. They just kind of like well we'll coexist enough. And then by yeah. the end like they grow an attachment to each other, but it's not like we need to fucking be together. It's just kind of like hey you know. Well, I mean, yeah, it's, it's that, that great attachment. I mean, they both they both uh, they both suffer the same loss, but obviously right. this kid has already had so much loss in his life, right. not being able to connect. And this old guy who's like, ah, whatever, but he loses his wife. I just love that by the end, they're both like, you know, fuck it, let's go do it. You yeah. know, we're gonna, you know, uh, it's, yeah, it's fucking great, really. I th- I thought it was a really good movie, so that's it. <laughs> All right. Oh wait, your your turn to go again. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that wasn't your pick. I'll just keep talking. <laughs> Actually, I just uh, stayed in the same breath. So number six, correct? Yes. Yes. My number six is also Doctor Strange, the goddamn Sorcerer Supreme. <laughs> <That's what that> <laughs> is, <laughs> given him the name. Um, really, you you hit on most of it. Um, I I was uh, totally psyched for Doctor Strange just because of really. The general like motifs that I get to see, like I love fucking, I love uh, uh, big houses, you know, mansions and magic and capes and 
all that kind of honestly just the look of this yeah, shit. Yeah. It looks like I'm, I'm into this demons and shit. We can we can start getting spiritual stuff into the MCU. I was totally pumped. Um, but you know, I mean, how how are you gonna play that out? And luckily, played out really, really, really well. Um, I a lot of people. Um, I don't know. A lot of people kind of bitch about the third act a little bit. There's the Dormammu thing wow. is is interesting. Uh, there's still a city that crumbles. There's still yeah. a portal in the sky. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like I feel like everybody was aware of that, and I was glad that they did. Uh, actually, the the reverse um, thing, playing time backwards, where the city's coming back together. Uh-huh. Uh, I thought that was honestly. I thought that was the most uh, unique third act since uh, Dark World. Which I think is an incredibly underrated third act. I think that's one of the most clever third acts that Marvel's done. But um, I really loved it. I, th- I thought that, um, you know, our villains were okay, as they typically are in Marvel movies. But I was pleasantly surprised uh, to find myself um, really entertained when it's coming from the director it's coming from. I was so worried. Scott Derrickson, <laughs> that guy. That guy is... <laughs> I still say fuck that guy, <laughs> but, <laughs> but Doctor Strange is really good. I was I was very uh, I was very happy. I'm so glad he's in the MCU, and I'm glad that this first entry isn't just one where I say, "Well, whatever." But I'm glad he's in the MCU. Yeah. It's like, no, I would go back and watch this movie over and over and over again. There's, it's great. I like it. Yeah, and his cape too. I didn't get to say it, but his cape yeah. is the new Jarvis for me. Yeah. I, I love his cape, man. It cracks me up. Yeah. Um, my number six, uh, don't have a whole lot to say about it. There's better and more original films, um, on and off this list, but I'm a Star Wars junkie, you know? Um, I'll watch this many more times. It's Rogue One, um, mm-hmm. probably two to three times a year. Um, it has a great cast, though. This cast, um, didn't get to do everything I wanted them to, but still, it's Diego Luna, Felicity Jones, Donnie Yen, Riz Ahmad, Mads Mikkelsen, Ben Middleson. Um, Middleson. Uh, there's a great cast here. Um, it's a fun prequel film. Um, it sets the bar for spinoff films. Yeah. It could have been better, yes, but if the rest of the spinoff movies are this good as a Star Wars fan, I'm completely happy. Um, the designs from Aliens to Planets were amazing. It's the time frame that I love. You know, it's mm-hmm. the it's during the original trilogy. Um, it's Star Wars, baby. It's my number six. It's Rogue One. Okay. Uh, my number five, zero nominations. It's been talked about tonight. It's called The Wailing. Um, I've seen it three times and I still don't know what the fuck it's about, <laughs> but I love it each time mm-hmm. I watch it. Um, and, and the things that you said, Brad, like it starts off as a comedy, you know, there's a silly scene where this girl's like throwing rocks and yep. you're just like, what the fuck is this movie? Yeah. And then by the end, like, she's like, Are, is she fucking Jesus? Is she an angel? What the fuck is she? You know, like, <laughs> I don't know, like it, she God, I mean, she, he who cast the first stone is, you know, like all these religious allegories going into it and the this Japanese man turns into a fucking devil and then the other sorcerer is stealing or the other shaman is stealing photographs that takes people's souls and you're like I don't know what the fuck is happening and I goddamn love it <laughs> this little fucking kid in this movie it like freaks Aww. me the fuck out and like little kids in movies like that's what they're there for but like she's like not possessed or anything like really she's just like screaming obscenities and you're like this is fucking frightening no. like absolutely frightening what we're getting from this wasn't Duwan's performance just amazing too and it oh, is man. it absolutely is because he goes like you said he starts this bumbling cop and it's just kind of like okay it's just your typical fare and then he's this horrified grieving father yeah. and like his family is fucked desperate yeah. father and like yeah. there's 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 a line in the movie when he's trying to figure it all out 
and he uh, he's talking to this this angel woman, whatever the fuck she is, and she's like, "If you go if you go fishing, do you know what you'll catch?" And he's like, "No." She's like, "Well, he's just fishing. He even knows he not even he knows what he's gonna catch. He just threw out bait, and your daughter is the one that took it." Yeah. And yeah. it's just like a fucking random happenstance that all this shit's happening to him, and like there's no you never get the questions answered that you want, and or that especially the the Duan wants. Yeah, it's, I I fucking love it. I've, I've even, made other people even watch with it. The, there's because there are some shortcomings, but it still had to make my ta- top ten list. Like if someone watches this and they come back to us and like, well, Brad, you know this this and this didn't make sense. Like there's a moment where like he sees like the the old guy in the village. He actually goes into the room and there's photos mm-hmm. of all kinds of wicked shit that you should probably arrest this guy for. Right, but he doesn't arrest him immediately, yeah. you know. Yeah. And so he doesn't do that. There's a couple things that don't line up like I want it to, yeah. but. This movie, the the just the tone of this movie, the performances, I, I think it's a great Korean flick, man. I think it's great. Right. No. It keeps you guessing, beginning to end. Yeah. Even after the movie's over, you're still like even now <laughs> guessing. Even now, you're still guessing. Months later, I'm like <laughs> I'm still guessing, <laughs> but I love it. <laughs> All right, um, my number five was Zootopia. Um, I I love animation, and when it's done when it's done well, and I I, I fucking. There's, there's nothing quite like it. Um, and Zootopia, just, I'm just going to go on a technical level and artistic level to start with. I fucking love the designs and the really? movement. I think Zootopia is so, so well animated. It's just, it's amazing to me. I, I, I just, I think it's beautiful to watch. Um, the story, obviously, there's a whole lot of stuff. Timely themes happening yes um depending on just depending on who you are and how much you want to think about this stuff it's a good thing or a bad thing a lot of people love it and i think it's a turnoff for some people um and i kind of fall in the middle um but when i look at it just top level story as the mystery that it is the the that unfolds they do a very good job i think it was well put together um the characters are good, uh, and the story, the story is really good. Um, but legit mystery, legit mystery. Like, you're yeah. kind of like I, I don't know what's going on yeah. here, and, I'm, and, and and unfolds yeah. really well, and and it's uh, it's very just quality on that end. And then there's all of the social themes that go along with it, yep. um, which, to be honest with you, some of them I feel I feel there was too much. Um, myself, I feel it gets a little ham-fisted, um, but, but this movie is just, is so well done anyway. It's a good story. It's, um, I, I, I can't think of a better looking, better animated movie this year. Um, and actually for a couple years, I mean, it's been a while since I've been as impressed. I mean, it's not like, oh, this is fantastical or this and that, but I mean, just, to see the way these things move and the designs, it's just, it's phenomenal. So, um, yeah, I really loved it. The DMV scene is so fucking hilarious. The D- and like, it the was DMV scene, everywhere. The DMV scene drug a little bit. <laughs> I love that's it. A, that's I love a, it. yeah, but yeah, good. Uh, my number five, um, I don't have a whole lot to say as well because you already hit a lot on a lot of it, Kyle. Um, it's Captain America Civil War. Um, I think it's the best comic book movie of 2016. It's the best tentpole movie of 2016. Um, you know, I'm a Star Wars fanboy, but when it comes down to it, Civil War is a better movie, so I had to give it my number five spot. Um, all the reasons you said, um, it's, you know, 
I'll add something to it though. The synergy of this movie between the team is amazing. Like that beginning when you have Captain America, yeah. you know, working with, you know, um, who's he working with at the beginning? He's got um, He's Scarlet got Witch Falcon, and Falcon. And Black Widow. It's so awesome to watch. You know, they got the synergy down. They know their characters. It's a perfect balance of characters. Um, it's a great introduction to, we didn't need an origin story for like Black Panther and Spider-Man. They kind of put them in here. And if you looked at the screenplay, I would, I'd be curious to wonder if it's, if it looks too convoluted, mm-hmm. but they made it all work and, and it just seamless. I, I thought that was great. My biggest worry was it was going to be too much. Yeah, it was yep. going to be. We're putting too many characters in here. They're not going to get enough screen time. But everyone got the perfect, perfect amount. amount. Perfect amount, man. And I don't know if you guys realize this, but like you watch all the other superhero movies that come out every year, or just the tentpole movies, and Marvel has this formula, right? That they just know their movies. You know, I don't remember the last time where I came out of a Marvel movie. I'm like, well, that sucked. Like, even the the worst Marvel movie is usually really, really good, you know, or at least good. And I think that they they just know their movie so well. And that's so hard. How many films is this now? 10, 11? Is it more than that? That's 13. Is it 13? Let's see. However many it is. I mean, this is a pretty good (laughs) record that they're dealing with, with just nailing the right balance, you know, um, and and the right mood of their film. And uh, the, the airport scene we talked about, so much fun. I think it's the best action scene of 2016 on the big screen. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think it's it's a fun movie. Civil War is my number five. Yeah, 13th. 13th, 13th. And they're, wow. they're, they just, they know their movie so well. Yeah, um, yeah it's my number five. All right, I got to go back to my list here. Um, <clears throat> number four uh, is another movie that got zero not Oscar nominations. <laughs> You're seeing a trend out of things other than La La Land. Um it, I thought it was the funniest movie of the year. Um, I know, Brad, you didn't like it as much as uh, this other person's venture that kind of gets compared to it, but it's called The Nice Guys. Mm. Um, it's Russell Crowe. It's my man Ryan Gosling. He's on my pillow. Um, <laughs> the, it, it's, those two work so fucking well together, and you don't expect it. And it's, it's written and directed by Shane Black, and it's very akin to his work Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Um, it, it's set in the 70s, it's this private eye and this detective kind of working together to solve the mystery of this vanishing porn star, and it's, it's, it's very, I, I guess kind of like raunchy, but like it keeps it, you know, tame for its raunchiness, uh, the, the comedy is so fucking good in this movie, and, and a legit mystery again too, um, we're at the... All the way up to the end, you're kind of like, I don't know where this is going, but and then little twists and turns always kind of like bring you back into the movie. They handle it really well. I love Shane Black; just love the fuck out of him, um, and I, I love this movie. Uh, little little lines like, um, you know, look on the bright side. Nobody got hurt. Lots of people got hurt. I'm, I'm saying they died quickly, so I don't think they actually got hurt. <laughs> like, it, God, it, it's I I fucking love it. Go watch Nice Guys. It was I think it was one of those movies that like. Just kind of bombed, but it's not because people didn't like it. It's just because people didn't see it. I, I missed that one. That yeah. was another Go one. Go fucking on watch list. it, Ryan. All right, fine. I'll, I'll be back. <laughs> Pause. Pause. <laughs> All right. Uh, my number four was Rogue One. Um, <clears throat> there's not a whole lot to say about Rogue One. They did a great job. I agree with Brad completely that if this is the bar that they're setting for their spinoff movies then they're in good hands. I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to all of them from this point on. Um, you know it's it's hard it's hard for me to have too many issues. I didn't have very many issues with it, but for some reason when I left when I leave the theater, I've seen it two or three times. And when I leave I'm always very satisfied, but I'm not quite over the moon 
yeah, you know? Yeah, and yeah. and so it's it's difficult to say what it was that held it back um, specifically. Um, but there's, there's some really great scenes in there. There's scenes that I'm so glad are now part of Star Wars canon. Um, I love that they explained the flaw of the Death Star, you know, and I love, I, I think it's, I think it's a great idea too. That they put it Yeah. There. And I, and, uh, I think all, all the cast members, uh, did a, did a remarkable job. I think that it was a well put together cast and, um, I don't know, it's just, just super solid. It's fucking Star Wars. I mean... I love Star Wars, and but you can definitely fuck Star Wars up. This doesn't get an automatic entry, yeah, right. so still and it was, very. And, yeah, and it was my number six. I had a couple yeah. problems with some of the CGI characters. The droid mm. I wasn't over the moon for. I thought he was mm. too human, yeah. you know. So I, I definitely had my gripes with it. But it's a movie that I'm. I, I love the third act. There's a lot of space yeah. battles that if you're into Star Wars, man, there's some shit that there that you're gonna fucking love. Yeah, Vader at the end coming off like a goddamn. <laughs> motherfucker <laughs> lack of a better word but he is tearing shit up yeah oh. really good all right do you guys care if i share my number four and three together and we'll just skip sure okay the reason sure. for that is it's remember at the beginning of this i said there's there's two movies that kind of like my double features and manchester by the sea had to fall off because mm-hmm. i didn't want to tie you know that with monster calls and so this one i kept them both on um they impacted me quite a bit this year and it's sing street and Raiders, the story of the greatest fan film ever made. Mm. Um, Raiders uh, released, I think it was like 2014 limited release because they, they were touring this. Mm. I actually got to interview the guy last year. Um, he's still touring, but it was actually a 2016 movie. It didn't even come out where you guys could actually watch it um, until, I mean, late 2016. Yeah. So, um, But Raiders, uh, actually Sing Street is about a boy growing up in Dublin during the 1980s. Um, he escapes his strained family life by starting a band to impress the mysterious girl that he likes. Um, and then Raiders, the story of the greatest fan film ever made, is a documentary about teenagers who made a shot-for-shot remake of the 1981 Indiana Jones Raiders of the Lost Ark. And it documents the seven years it took them to shoot their movie. And both of these movies are about, you know, even with this one, to escape their strained family lives. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think, and both of them are set in the 80s. Both were inspired. Both movies are a group of outcasts that band together to create art. You know, you have Raiders kids were inspired by Steven Spielberg. And you have the Sing, Sing Street kid inspired by 80s rock like Duran Duran and The Cure. Um, I re- wrote a review, an outline for something I wanted to do with you, Kyle, for mm-hmm. Sing Street and for Raiders. And it never happened. I kind of let the Raiders one go because I had that big interview last year. Yeah. Um, but the title of it was um, A Great Look into the Power of Movies and Music and Why Both Leave a Footprint on Our Imagination. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to have that conversation. Um, it was like the the grieving one, Sitting Shiva. I Hopefully I get to do that. I want to do that one with April this year. I hope I get to get that conversation out. But both movies are a celebration of childhood, movies, music, and their power to impact our lives. I think both these movies have so much in common, um, ex- especially when they're... Both movies, they have kids out there with cameras making movies. You yeah, know, yeah. one's about making movies. Yeah. The other one, they're trying to create music videos. And not just one, throughout the movie, they're mm-hmm. making like, what, three or four yeah. different kinds of music uh, videos. And they're both inspired by 80s art, you know, whether it's <laughs> movies or music. And both these really spoke to me. So my number four was Sing Street, and my number three was Raiders, the story of the greatest film film ever made. So... Uh, My number three was just hit upon, um, and it got zero Oscar nominations, and it's the biggest travesty, because how do you not have a song from Sing Street in Best Song? Yeah. Um, if if, If you didn't know what Sing Street was, you know none of the music, and I put all that music on a CD and said, hey, here's a band from the 80s you've probably never heard of, play this, you would listen to it and go, 
yeah, that was an 80s band I've never heard of. And I would go, no, all that was written and performed in 2016. Yeah. You would go, you're fucking lying to me, you piece of shit. <laughs> and that's how fucking good the music in this movie is. Yeah. And I think, I loved La La Land, but Sing Street is a notch above for me, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to the music in it. Um, you know, drive it like you stole it was the the thing you said. Uh, not only a wonderfully filmed scene where they're like at the high school and they're like putting on this fake like American nineteen fifties prom, um, and then it kind of melts into your lead character's mind of what he's actually envisioning what this music video would look like, and it's like everyone's in perfect costumes, but then like his real life seeps into it, and his parents who are going through a divorce are getting back together, and the the pre, the headmaster of his school, who's a dickhead to him, is getting his comeuppance, and yep. his brother, who's a burnout, is starting to make something of himself, and this girl that ran away from him comes back into his life. Like, it's a fucking gorgeous scene. There's, uh, the riddle of the model is very, <laughs> like, fucking, like, <laughs> shitty little, you know, Iran, uh, Flock of Seagulls music type of video, yeah. but, like, it sounds a lot like Duran Duran, like, yeah. you can yeah. fucking actually believe that Duran Duran had written before that song if you were listening to it. Um, th- seriously, every song in this movie is good. I fucking listen to the soundtrack all the yeah, time. It's though. solid. It's really good, and... You're filling this movie with with kids that are actually playing their own instruments, and they're fucking talented as yeah. shit. A lot of these people in this movie for the first in movies for the first time, um, and it has this great line when they're filming one of the music videos. Um, Rafina, this girl who he keeps putting in his music videos because he's in love with, and she's just trying to make this about her being coming a model at some point. She jumps into the ocean, and she can't swim. And so our our lead character Cosmo jumps in and saves her, and he's like, "You know, why did you do that?" And she's like, "Well, this is our art, and you can't do anything by half. Do you understand? You can't do anything by half. <laughs> like, she would have fucking drowned, but like, it's for their goddamn art. Like, you have to go all in if you want to make it work. And yeah. and that's what he does at the end of this. I wish it would have had a little bit more of a La La Land ending, or wasn't so like just perfectly tied up with a bow where they drive off in this boat. I thought the ending was gonna be." They're taking this boat, this shitty little boat, from Ireland to England to make it big, and this big fucking cruise ship comes out of nowhere, and in my head I go, they're gonna fucking run into that cruise ship and die in this fucking storm. I thought that too. And I'm like, that is such a great ending for this movie. But no, the the clouds clear, the boat moves, and they get to fucking England safely, and you're like, ah! I kind of wanted that brutal ending, and it would have made it number one if that had fucking happened, but it didn't. You know, I totally forgot about that, too. Like, um, when I was talking about Raiders and about, um, you know, Sing Street, both of them have a girl that they're trying to to impress, too. Like, uh, more so in Sing Street. But they they actually find uh, the the girl that plays Marion, Ravenwood, in Raiders, uh, the documentary. Um, One of them kind of, like, fall in love. They have a relationship with her childhood crush, you know. And then you also have, you know, both movies have divorced parents, too, where, you know, they're getting divorced and they're dealing with that, just that, that reality of life, you know. And I just love that both of them are, are movies about them picking up cameras and just going out and exploring your artistic freedom as a young kid and where that, that you know, leads from there. I think both of those movies are so um, just great for exploring, you know, just just childhood. Oh, it's just, I, I love it. It's so awesome. It's so coming of age. I mean, you can just, just see this yeah. kid, like, he goes into school, he's a nobody, like, and he finds himself through music. And he's going through all these different phases himself. You're seeing like that Duran Duran phase, that culture club, that cure. Like he's 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 molding himself in different ways until he finally finds that mixture that's actual that actually is him. At first he's he's playing a character wow. so that he can get this girl and make these friends, and then it actually becomes who he is. And that's yeah, that's really I cool do like that because I mean, you know, he just he just said he was in a band. 
yeah. to impress the girl. Yeah. And he's like, shit. He I had no talent. He, he couldn't sing at the beginning, and, but then he actually worked at it. And he got his brother, though, and his yeah. brother is like, like, no, man, music is. Yeah, John Taylor know. is like the best bassist in the world. Yeah, I love and, fucking dude. It, yeah. Is, it, it, was, it was neat to see his, to see that kind of journey from it's like, oh, look, I'm just trying to impress a girl, yeah. to it's like, oh, no, you know, I found something that I actually really like and, and that, you know, he's able to ex- really express himself through. Because that's honestly... That's the way that a lot of us find the things that we love. It's not like what, what are we what are we doing right now? Yeah, it's like we're on a podcast. We're expressing yeah. ourselves in our way. It's not like you just set out every time. It's like you know I'm going to go find my thing. It's like your thing just kind of comes to you, yeah. you know, uh, through whatever else you're trying to do. So uh, that, was, that was cool. Um, and here I go again, me talking, and then it's my turn. <laughs> <laughs> my number three is already uh, has already been mentioned. Uh, it's the whaling. Um, the whaling, as far as as just a, a cinematic experience is almost unparalleled this year i've just again i i haven't i haven't been so surprised this is my biggest surprise of the year for sure to watch to watch a movie that starts out and it's like oh this is yeah, this is pretty good i wasn't quite expecting this and by the end it's a totally different movie and it's uh it, it's to use the old you know, kind of cliche it's a fucking roller coaster as far yeah. as it's like you get going and it just doesn't stop. I don't know what to expect. The suspense works. The you know the visuals work. The acting is amazing. The thrills, everything that's set up. You know, this this director is completely in control and he's completely got me by the balls. Mm-hmm. And I have to, I'm forced to go wherever he takes me. And um, it's it's uh, uh, honestly refreshing to be to be brought along. Um, with such, it brings you along, but it doesn't hold your hands. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> it's, it's, kind of, it's just like walking ahead of you, like, "Come on, come with me." Well, like, I, feel like, I, I feel like he, I feel like he, he took, he took my hand. <laughs> this is gonna sound so terrible. It's how I'm done. He took my hand. And he took me in a back alley. He took me in a dark room, and then he just kind of let me go at the end. <laughs> he's like, "Find your own fucking way yeah. out, sicko." <laughs> like, what, what will be, will be. Like, but no, uh, just. An amazing, an amazing experience. I think. I think the whaling's phenomenal. So, but yeah, I have no fucking clue what yeah. happens at the end. None we're of us know, and we all have it in our top. All of the puzzle pieces. Yeah. It's all there, and I cannot put that shit together <laughs> to save my life. So, whatever. Yeah, and I already hit my number three. It's Raiders: The Story, the greatest fan film ever made. All right. Uh, my number two. It got one Oscar nomination. Uh, I felt it probably should have got two, or at least gone another another way with how it was gone. Um, uh, a movie you seem to not like as much as I thought you were going to, and it's called Nocturnal Animals. Mm. Um, it, 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 the nomination was from Michael Shannon for Best Supporting Actor, who totally deserves it. But if you know to say that Aaron Taylor Johnson didn't deserve it, I thought he put the best on-screen performance of the entire fucking year into that. If movie. you tell somebody that was the guy who plays Kickass, yeah, they'd be like, "I'll get the fuck yeah, out of here." I think you actually movie. said that, didn't you? Well, because I, I didn't, I didn't recognize him. Yeah, he's completely he's like, Yeah, it's, it's blah 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 Taylor. What the fuck Aaron ever? Taylor. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, it's Quicksilver. He yeah. didn't say that. And I was like, what? He's like the Kickass, the Quicksilver. <laughs> Shit, it is, isn't it? Yeah, he's I amazing. Mean, he's fucking He's amazing. great, yeah. yeah he, he should have been nominated. Uh, but Michael Shannon's fucking great in it, too. Um, I, I really like this movie. Another movie that doesn't really, like, hold your hand through it. It's... Uh, <laughs> It's it's a, also a hard movie to explain because it's it's you're watching a movie within a movie, well, uh, or you're watching a book within a movie, or you're, you're watching a movie about a book within a <laughs> movie about a book. I yeah. don't know. Um, 
it's Amy Adams is you know living this high profile life and she's super rich and she's an art dealer but she's like not really happy on the outside she's pretending she is but inside she's obviously fucking emotionless black shell like everyone else that is in her life and her ex-lover you know sends her a book and he's just like just fucking read this you know like they don't talk for years and he's like just read this and as she's reading it you're getting into his story which obviously has some mirrorings to their life beforehand and then you're also jumping back in time in the real story to see where their life was and then you're back in present day so there is a lot of confusion that that's going on um it's a great murder mystery inside the movie and then just like just this emotional drama about like how empty people can be and how you let you know life get away from you for something stupid you let you you follow something stupid to let the important things go and it and a line in the movie says you know you know, when someone loves you, you have to be careful because you might not ever get it again. And that's what she kind of realizes at the end. And when she's like, you know, I'm going to reconnect with him. She sends him an email like, hey, let's let's meet up. Let's get drinks. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. And he just leaves her there at dinner. And a lot of people are like, that really? That's it? He just leaves her at dinner? Like, no. That's the worst fucking thing he could have done to her. Because she's like finally starting to feel in her life again she's like "Ooh, i can get back with edward and like my life's gonna have meaning again and he just doesn't show up and she's like nope i'm stuck here loveless for the rest of my life yeah i i do i do think that it's a film where again once when your expectations are curbed like a second viewing may be something that that helps out because i feel like going into it because because the book that is given is a is a bit of a thriller. Yes. You know what I'm saying? You kind of expect, it's like, I think people going in, it's like, oh, wait, in real life, is she like, oh, shit, maybe he's going to come after me. Maybe mm-hmm. this is like my warning or something like that for jolting him, for J.D. Right. Uh, all those years ago or whatever. Um, once that expectation's gone and you realize, oh, that's not the case, then it's really just, okay, it's an exercise in trying to get us to feel what she feels. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. we get to see, here's this piece of the narrative from the book. Here's a flashback, you know, to kind of help us piece them together so that we understand her brain. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, oh, I just read this. This is what happened. Shit. You know? Yeah. Um, so, I could, you know, I, I, I see what you're saying. Um, and I, I feel, I just feel it's one of those movies that once once that expectation is gone, it's like, no, no, no. The, the, the book is a thriller, but the, the story... Of the movie is not. Yeah. It's just a, you know, an experience trying to feel what the character's feeling. Then that's, you know, probably. Yeah. And, and also when she's sitting there at the end, she feels another thing. And it's, she realizes that she's become her mother. Which oh, was, yeah. like, also a huge fear of hers because her mother was like, no, don't get with Edward. Like, he's not going to make money being an author. Like, mm-hmm. go marry this rich, like, investor. And she's like, I'm never going to live the life that you yeah. lead where you just married dad because he has money. And that's exactly, exactly what she did. She and finally, up. in that moment, she realizes. Yeah. yeah. What do you think of the movie, Brad? Oh man, not to <laughs> shit over all yours, but I I thought the the um, Michael Shannon was great. Um, He's I thought fucking great as like yeah, the dying police officer. I thought Johnson was great. Um, I thought uh, if I had to do a synopsis for this movie, mm-hmm. I would say it's about a guy who makes his ex wife read um, a very average crime thriller. And then after she reads it, he stands her up 
on a date. <laughs> exactly what happens. Yeah. And I, I mean, I thought the when you go back, like you were talking about maybe watching a second time, I wouldn't want to watch it a second time because that the the story that he's telling her, I thought was completely just average. Mm. Um, I disagree. I really loved that the nocturnal animal story within nocturnal animals. Really? Because I, I thought really the, the crime it. story that he tells, I mean, I can't, it can't be more simple. I mean, it's just about a guy who abducts some women and kind of rapes and murders them, and then it's about a guy and a, and a sheriff going to... You don't to... feel that, like, uneasiness, that horribleness, that whole beginning scene where their car, like, I know that that is that is an uneasy that is an uneasy story though. I I think that you could find that I could write that same kind of story about a woman getting raped and murdered. And I mean, I could probably make it uneasy myself. I mean, we're dealing with something in Lafayette right now or Delphi Delphi. surrounding areas about two you know uh, young teenagers who were murdered violently. it, It seems, and you know, I think that it comes off uneasy. So I think no matter how you kind of tell that story it's uneasy so i don't know what do you think no i you and i talked about this a little bit i i agree with you that the 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 story within the story the book Mm -hmm. in the movie um it plays out in very dramatic fashion but and look maybe again this is maybe this is my expectation there's zero mystery in this murder mystery yeah we know who did we know who did it and then the cops know who did it and it's a revenge story is what it is. Right. That's all it is. It's a revenge story. Uh, and to be honest with you, honestly, to me, not a terribly compelling one. Um, there's, like, if I were to look at this book or this short story, whatever it is, uh, I would be like, okay, that's okay. It's here. But the structure is like, it's all, it's solid, I guess. So when we have a beginning, a middle, and an end. But it's like, where's the, like, where's the conflict? Like, after the event happens, it's just time before they find them. But it's not like we're putting on a wild goose chase. There's no red herrings. There's no... Oh, the only thing that's... It's a, the, it's the a struggle only... with himself. Because, like, he, yeah. he blames himself for not being a man in that moment when they get taken. Correct. I agree. I just, so he's, it, like, struggling, like, this is... My wife and kid are dead because I wasn't man enough. Right. Which is... You know, the reason, like, I don't have you as my wife anymore because I wasn't, you know. And you kind of have Michael Shannon, who's kind of the, uh, honestly, the bit of machismo that he might be missing. It's like, you know, like, hey, I got nothing to lose. Come on. Let's go do this thing. Yeah, he's, you know, this guy he's, that he's sitting in that diner, he's smoking that cigarette, and he's like, "I told you, I'm dying of lung cancer." He's like, "Yeah, you're smoking cigarettes." He's like, "Yeah, how do you think I got lung cancer?" <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I and I, I do like that. He's kind of like he's the the voice that's like you know pushing this guy. To you know, to um, get to revenge. get his revenge, but um, but I just I know to me it's it's just not I don't know that's just a short story to me I can't see that being a novel of any yeah. of any real intrigue yeah. to me and, but yeah, go ahead and yeah. nocturnal animals actually reminded me how pissed I am that BVS or a uh, uh, man of still underused um, <laughs> Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon. Yeah. <laughs> and then honestly, he's such a good actor. And, and this is where a second view would, would solidify what I think about it. I I'm, I'm a little, I, I'm a little, I, I'm not really sure how it all connects. Yeah. When I, when I watch it all, cause you got this past, you got the past, you got the present and you got the book. And Joe Hall's characters. I haven't, I didn't yeah. put it all together. So by the time we get to the end, even though I understand what the intention is from the director, I don't have the impact. I just don't... I haven't been able to connect with Amy Adams' character enough. Like, she just reads this book, and it's like, oh, and they were murdered, and then she closes it, and she's like, oh, my Jesus. 
That's so terrible. And I'm like, it is. That's a terrible scene to read in a book. But I don't quite understand why it makes you nervous as shit the next day at work. You know? Or, you know, I think it's she, like... I think, I think she knows that, like, this is, like... He's he's trying to speak to her through this book. Right. Like, and it I, even says, like, four Susan. Listen, at the even, in, and even though I understand that in my head... It just didn't. It, is, it didn't connect with me. Okay. I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't connect emotionally I, to it. I will say I will give it some praise for the score. It had a really good Alfred Hitchcockian really really score yeah, to it. Like good. I really appreciated that. And I mean, it's, it you know it's shot well. It's it's. I wouldn't it's say. Very yeah, I wouldn't confidently say it's a, made. I wouldn't say it's not, a bad movie at all. It just yeah. for a top ten list, it just didn't strike yeah. me. But I, I don't. You know, I don't plan on watching. it. I tell you what, though, Jake Gyllenhaal is like an actor who I I clumped with like Andrew Garfield. You know, like I would um, I've clumped him with Andrew Garfield a couple years ago. Yeah. Because I can't stand fucking Andrew Garfield. But um, I tell you what, man, Jake Gyllenhaal is a guy who I'm I'm very anxious and curious to see what he does next. He's someone Life. who. <laughs> is that movie in space? Yeah, that's what he's doing. Oh, fucking alien! Oh. <laughs> I'm hoping that's su- going to be a surprise. gravity alien. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Anyway, What's you yours? Your number two? Oh me, my number two. My number two is Captain America: Civil War. Ooh. Um. Yeah, Captain America is fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, End of review. Fucking watch it. Who hasn't watched it? You know. No, it it really is. I mean, look, action, all action aside, because we've talked about all that stuff uh, before. But Marvel, they know their characters um, inside and out. I again, to juggle all the stuff that was in there as well as they did, and it's not perfect. There's still shit that I bitch about and stuff that to me is so. Obvious. I'm like, guys, what a please weird eulogy. address this, please. <laughs> but uh, all things considered, I mean, to be able to introduce, say, Black Panther, make him actually integral to the story, um, and I mean, Spider-Man. Honestly, Spider-Man. If you took him out, it'd be fine. Uh, but it was still a graceful entry. I think it was yeah. good. Um, but I, I mean, really, to to go against some of their own convention to have a third act that is not. Um, a massive destruction scene, but the scene between three characters mm-hmm. um, uh, to stay so true to all of their characters. I just, that's that's the amazing thing. When you think of how many directors and writers and people these characters have to go through throughout the course of all these films to end up there, and it's like, yes, that character would do that. Yes, that character would do that. Yes, they wrote that just the way it should be written for that I, I think it's amazing. And in the end, it's just, it's entertaining. It's really entertaining. I, I've watched it a bunch of times. I have to say that it's, it, um, it slows a little bit for me. It, it, it drags a little bit, even though I can't say necessarily where. Um, but, uh, and, um, Zemo's all right, but I struggle. I struggle a little bit with how effective one man can really be at doing all of this. <laughs> how he's but always again, one step ahead no matter what the step is. Yeah, and, and, and it's, it's really, it's not like he's like Tony Stark or, you know, Stephen Strange level intelligent or anything like that. He's just, you know, kind of a guy, you know. But whatever, uh, like Brad, like you said, when you're entertained, when you're highly entertained, it the stuff kind of falls by the wayside, you know, and so... Uh, it did for me, and Captain America is fucking great. <laughs> right on. <laughs> uh, my number two is a movie that is probably more personal to me than a lot of people would probably think. I'm wearing the shirt. <laughs> it's a sausage party. Um, it's about a wiener that strives to discover the truth about his existence. <laughs> yep, um, sounds just like you. We understand. 
We just came off of our first verses this year of Blazing Saddles versus Young Frankenstein. And I said that I, I didn't think that Blazing Saddles could be made today. And then I started thinking, well, fuck, we have Sausage Party. Now, Sausage Party isn't as racist, even though this does leave its mark in a few categories, okay? But I think that... Sammy Bagel Jr. <laughs> but it is a very offensive movie. And I think Blazing Saddles, or I'm sorry, Sausage Party is... It's not Blazing Saddles, okay, but it's the most Blazing Saddles movie, I think, of the 21st century. Maybe if you could clump it next to, like, Team America. There's not too many movies like this that come out, and they just, they don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> Team America, Sausage Party, Blazing Saddles, it's movies like that that it has balls, okay? And I love movies that aren't afraid to offend, okay? They just do their own thing. Like, this third act is com fucking completely bananas and off the fucking charts, but I respect that there's some people that's like, you know what? We don't give a shit, okay? We're gonna we're gonna go out and we're gonna we're gonna tell the story we want to tell. We're gonna have fun, and this is the kind of third act we want. Um, but it's the theme of religion too. Um, I grew up in a very conservative home. I was told who my God was, when to pray. Um, I went to church three to four times a week. I was out there on Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and one day I had to be like, okay, I had to go searching for myself and figure out, you know, what I actually believed. You know, and the world's not as dark. It's not as dark as Sausage Party, but, or is it? I mean, I think we could all say with, with 2017, actually we'll leave politics out of it, but I think that the themes of religion and identity, you know, they really hit home with me. I think there's, there's a, enough here that you could take, okay? But you can also have a fun of a fucking time with Sausage yeah. Party. Yeah. Um, the, the, also with the theme of religion, I think it it's, cracks me up that this movie looks like VeggieTales. <laughs> okay. I mean, I grew up with VeggieTales. I mean, and so this movie is again. I think it, it, this movie is more atheist than what I want it to be. Obviously, than agnostic. I wish this was a more agnostic yeah. approach. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm very curious where this movie goes to when they enter the real world at the end of this movie. And with that said, we talked about action scenes. I think there's a fucking awesome action scene in this movie where uh, the fucking cart spills over and everyone's falling <laughs> on the cart. It's, it's, it's straight from Saving Private Ryan, yeah. but they do a fantastic job with this. I think the humor is great, and I love the idea that they flushed out everything in this fucking supermarket. Everything from the aisles to the hot dogs to what everybody would be doing. So I think that's a, a fun time at the movies. I love Sausage Party. I appreciate a movie that has balls. I really appreciate that. So Sausage Party is my number two. All right. Nice. Um, all right, so my number one uh, has been mentioned by both of you. I uh, got six noms at the Oscars, and it's Manchester by the Sea. Oh, um, wow. I and and here's a movie that can make me cry will, you know, do a lot for me. And I I wept really fucking hard in the theater. I think the best scene of the year from any movie comes out of this movie, and it's when Casey Affleck, uh Lee Chandler finally gets to confront his wife. Mm. They they meet outside and she's pushing her new child in that stroller. Um and and it's her line and the way she says it and just the heartbreak in her voice when she says, I said a lot of terrible things to you. My heart was broken, and now I know yours is broken too. And like, ah, oh, just the fucking waterworks. Um, I mean, that movie, there's a lot of scenes that are like really hard to watch. And and we talked about it. There, It's a movie with a lot of nothing in it. But that nothing leads to you feeling those emotional impacts so much harder. When you find out, you know, I, I'm just going to spoil it, that Lee's kids died in a fire that he caused because he was doing cocaine and was drinking with his buddies, and he didn't close his fireplace, and his house burned down, and he killed all of his kids. 
And when he says, you know, to the kid, the kid at the end, he's like, I, I can't beat it. Like, you understand. Like, you completely understand. And, you know, when he's in the police station and they're like, you're free to go. It was a mistake. And he's like, that's not the comeuppance I should be getting right now. Like, and he grabs a gun off of an officer and tries to kill himself. Like, I'm fucking weeping again. Because you feel like, you're like, no, I completely understand what this guy's going through. I've never been through it, but I can understand everything he's feeling. And that's uh, that's why the, the movie is, is really difficult to watch. I don't know if I'll ever watch it again, but I know it'll stay with me. Yeah. Manchester by the Sea. Yeah. I love the humor in Manchester by the Sea, too, where it's kind of just throughout the whole movie. Well, no, it's there. It's, it's there throughout the whole movie. And it kind of, when you're wanting to get all emotional, it's, it's there and it just kind of puts you at rest, I think. You know, I, it's, I don't know. I love the humor that's in there. A very goodwill hunt, uh, good hunting kind yeah. of humor. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Um, my number one was Hacksaw Ridge. It's, a, <laughs> it's the running fucking gag for the night. I fucking hate that movie. Anyway, uh, well, my number one, I'm a sellout. My number one's La La Land. Um, I was... Uh, I'm surprised to hear that. I didn't know if you were going to go over that or not. No. no my I, number one a couple years ago was Whiplash. Couple, oh, oh, okay. I was like, well, a couple meaning what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whiplash, man, Jesus. Whiplash is fucking... I wish Whiplash could just come out every year so I could... <laughs> <laughs> just like I put it at number one. Um, <clears throat> yeah. You know, uh, it, as I, I like musicals. I love musicals. I, um, I really... I was really pumped to see a great musical, especially from um, Cheville or whatever the hell it is. his last name. Yeah. Chazelle. Yeah. Thank you. I'm sorry. Um... I was so interested to see what he was going to do next because obviously Whiplash just blew my mind. Um, and I, I uh, it's funny, I was not, I'm not taken aback by the musical portions of this movie. Um, to be honest with you, as much as I, I love the, the lighting, I love the way that they did, especially so those vibrant. early musical numbers. Vibrant. I, yeah, vibrant. For me personally, there's some energy missing. There's something about the actual choreography, the people performing the choreography. Um, see, it's so natural. That's what I love. See, to me, it's 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 missing. It's missing that zip zap pizzazz. Um, you know, um, that, see, I kind of agree with both of you because I think like it has a realism to it, but it also has that again. Going back to what I was saying, like it feels like you're watching a 1950s yeah. musical, which would have that that like yeah. almost fake like everyone's just dancing and knowing how. The well, which, which I love, like like I love I the opening number. I I love it, and I love especially just I mean weaving that camera through there and doing all that. That's amazing. Um, but there's there's something missing in the showmanship of the actual dancers that I thought was good, but it's not like at that top level, but. Frankly, La La Land stops being a musical halfway through. Yeah. You don't get yeah. a musical number for like an hour. Yeah, nothing like the beginning. No, the nothing like the beginning. Number. And still, to me, it's a bit of a letdown because I wish that he would have just made up his mind. It's like, am I gonna, am I gonna watch? You know, am I gonna get a musical number where somebody's getting ready for work or? Yeah. Not. Yeah. Because I get that at the beginning. It's like, let's go to a party. All right, tonight's the night. We're going to go to a party. And then it just kind of stops. But at the same time, it <clears throat> it sort of follows the the journey from starry-eyed, you know, dreaming down to reality yeah. and growing up. 
and um, then it does, of course, pick back up at the end. Uh, so the musical when, bits. When did, when did the musical stop? When they get together as a couple. Yeah. Yep. And Which exactly. Is kind of the you know some of the, the running theme there is like we're just filling our lives yep. with with other things now. People don't br- dress as bright anymore. No nope. colors yeah. back off a little bit, and um, the real you shines. Yep. And. And that's why I can I can respect the choices that were made, even though I personally I like I wish it was more of a musical all the way through. But whatever, the story is is wonderful. The acting is wonderful, um, and I don't mind the ending. I accept the ending very well. Uh, it, it could have gone either way, and I would have been happy either way. Honestly, I don't need it to be realistic. I don't also need it to be super happy. Um, but the uh, the work just paid off so well. I fucking I, I love pretty much everything about this movie. And there's a lot of great humor in there that um, that feels very natural. Um, and I don't know. It's I, I'm sorry. I, I I don't know why I'm having a hard time explaining it all. But whatever. La La Land's yeah. um, it's unique for its time. And I'm glad that it's still, it's different enough. It's a fresh enough take that I don't feel like it's just strictly like homage to Hollywood. Because Hollywood fucking loves to love itself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a big big part of why it's nominated so heavily this year. Because Hollywood just loves to jerk itself off. And, but I'm, I'm really glad that choices were made that make this not just... The revival of the musical. I don't think it's the revival of the musical. Yeah. No, because it, it, it turns it on. It turns it on its head at the end. Yeah, and it turns and it, again it just turns the musical side of it off. Yeah. yeah, for a long time, and it's just a, it's just a drama, a good drama, and um, that's why I think it deserves what it, it does. It, it tells a story that tells it really, really well, and it tells it in a way that you can connect with. So, fuck it, that's it. Yeah, that's my number one as well. Um, and it's in my notes here. I put it's a love letter to old Hollywood films, but at the same time, I think mm-hmm. it's a time capsule film. I think it's a millennial film, yes. especially yeah. this ending here. I think that a lot of people, even though I struggle with this ending the most that I've ever struggled with a film <laughs> in a long time, and I'm and I'm not going to sell out here. My number one movie of last year during Oscars, so white, okay, was Straight Outta Compton. Okay, yeah. that was my number one film of last year. This year, it's just how it played out, man. It got, what, 14 nominations? Mm-hmm. Where the white man saves jazz? Yeah, the white man <laughs> saves jazz. <laughs> the white man saves jazz. That's all. That's hilarious. And, you know, I think it's a millennial film, but um, I, I really struggle with the ending. And I think it's a testament to this movie because I wanted the Sing Street ending. Yeah. Because the Sing Street ending is you can you can go off into the sunset and you can have your love of your life and your you can have your art and your love and right off into the sunset. Yeah. This here is you can you have to choose between your art and and this this love you know. And at the end of this movie, I I think Emma Stone and Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Gosling, sorry, yeah. is. A, a power couple on screen. Yeah. I love seeing them together. Yep. Crazy Stupid Love, they're fantastic together in that too. So much charisma on screen. I fell in love with these two people and I wanted the ending so bad for them to be together but I've learned to kind of accept that melancholy ending that, I, that I've mm-hmm. got and I don't know, It. I've seen this movie three times and every time, this is a big testament to the movie too, every time I go to the movies, I know I'm not going to get the ending that I want. And I come out 
loving the movie even more every single time. Um, and at the end, right before we get to that third act, and they're like, you know, what's going to happen to us now? Because you're going to go off, and I'm going to do my thing. What's going to happen when you, when you go off? And I'm like, I wish they cut there and let me decide yeah. what happens. But even though I know that third act is there... I still love this movie. I mean, the acting is perfect. The direction is brilliant. You actually posted something on AV a couple months ago where it's in the jazz bar and yeah. it has Damien Chazelle, who directed my number one movie of 2014, Whiplash. Um, it shows him directing the jazz and then jumping over to Mia and then watching the jazz, jumping over to Mia, and he's just whipping that yeah. camera and, and around. And you think it's just simple editing, but it's not. It's He's tapping the cameraman on the shoulder and the shoulder, the guy's just flipping the camera mm-hmm. real fast to him and just back and forth over yeah. and over again. Great direction. Man, the soundtrack is so soundtrack is beautiful and it's original. Mm-hmm. You know, this wasn't a, a play and then they made it into a, a film. This is all new music heard for the first time on the big screen. And the, the music, man, um, City of Stars. I don't care if you're humming it, whistling it, singing it, it's beautiful. Um, audition, uh, Planetarium, pl- uh, Planetarium, and me and Sebastian's theme. All of it is so beautiful you know i can't yeah. wait to hear them playing it tonight you know there's no song there's no sing street but <laughs> yeah, it, and both of them have great scores and i actually yeah. it's funny i actually prefer the ending of sing street but i like this movie better both mm-hmm. cracked my top yeah. five um i think this movie is f- fantastic it's destined to be a classic um i think that you know it deserves all these nominations and it was my favorite uh, movie experience of, of I, I think i think it's the movie that 50 years from now out of the movies that came out this year will still be relevant yeah yeah, and and just real quick, just because I I won't have a platform on audio to say it because I wasn't part of the the review, and we'll probably not talk about La La Land again after all this. But <clears throat> I think the thing that, that got me with the ending is that the um, especially for a musical, where typically you know your your big moments are probably going to have music around them. You're going to make a big deal out of it, uh, but the pivotal scene. Uh, in this movie is them on the bench saying where what are we and where are we what do we what do we do now you know we both have our dreams and we both have our opportunities but what do we do and they make that choice to say you know what let's just go and let life happen and see what happens like that's the biggest scene in the movie because that's where they make their choice to say we're not going to do this together we're going to do this separately and see what happens and so when she comes back in the club and she has her big you know um the feeling that that always kind of bothered me uh just because she's with her husband now me and you have talked about brad and i have talked about this forever i can't oh it drives me nuts when you have a protagonist and they end up with somebody else and then they break off and i'm like what happened to that poor sap yeah. There, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I feel bad for, what's his, it, Everett Scott? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom Everett Scott. Tom Everett Scott. I feel bad because, you know, if you think about it, being in his position and your wife sitting there and she's having a daydream <laughs> about another dude, yeah. that sucked. But that, that would happen. You know, yeah. I mean, that's just, that's it's life, you know, I think. That's yeah. life. That's life. But we all have, you know, past loves where, you know, you like, could probably imagine it where you're like, man, what would life have been like if I had stayed with them? Or, and... Uh, you know, when they when they have that scene on the bench and they're like, you know, let's just see what life happens. You know, we're just going to go and do what we do and, you know, we'll just see what, what happens. Um, when she has that that whole kind of vision in her head of, of them doing the same things together and both succeeding and being together, um, I just I just feel like the the bits where you're like, oh, that's a suck ending. It's like, no, they, they made their choice 
then. Mm-hmm. And that is just how life played out. And the thing that makes me like the ending and accept it is the final look that Ryan and Emma Stone give to each other. Where to me, and everyone, I, I know it's ambiguous yeah. and you can interpret it, but the way I've interpreted it is that they both look, and I'm assuming that Ryan Gosling is having the same idea in his head. What would it have been like if we had stayed together yeah. and run through it all? But they just kind of smirk, a little smile at each other, nod, and it should be like, you know what? We made our bed. This is life. It's not bad. It's okay. It's like it just. To we me, still we still got love out of it. It wasn't with our each other. Each other it was with our passions. Yeah. And it's like you know we yeah. And I mean they even say you know I'll always love you. And that's yeah. probably always going to sit there. But yeah. I I feel that when they give that nod to each other, it's not it's not an acceptance as in just like a reluctant acceptance. Like oh, this is my life. It's like no, we had our time. We're done. And we learned. It's okay. Yeah. And it's all right. That's how that's how I feel about the ending. So anyway. That's it. Yeah, and there's two things that I always pull from La La Land that it, it, it kind of hurt it for me that makes it makes me wrestle with it. And one is when they tell them that or when Ryan Gosling says that jazz, you know, it's 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 compromise <laughs> and it's creativity. And it's conflict. And it's conflict and it's all working together to become jazz. Yep. And I'm like, well, you know what jazz is and you know everything that goes into jazz why can't you do this with your own relationship it's going to be compromise and it's going to be you know all this the stuff that you just explained about jazz Mm -hmm. and i was hoping that their relationship could be like jazz right yeah you know and that theme would follow through the theme would follow through and at the ending there um he also says um later on that uh, i think it was um john legend tells him he goes hey you're you want to you're all about jazz Right? right, but I think you're more of a traditionalist, okay? Right. And jazz can never evolve. Jazz is progress. Yeah, yeah. jazz yeah. is progress, and I'm like, I think I'm more of a traditionalist, okay? And so I'm surprised that La La Land made my number one with the ending um, being number one because I'm such a traditionalist. Right. And but hey, I've learned to accept it, and I think that this movie is so beautiful on so many levels that yeah, it's it's great. Just yep. goddamn, why am I a traditionalist? <laughs> <laughs> But no, it's it's a great movie, yeah. and I think everybody needs to see it. So yeah, all right, yeah, all right. Real quick, let's go around because we're going into the Oscars right now. Yeah. So we don't want to miss the Oscars. I think it's close to eight o'clock, if not eight yeah. o'clock. So I just want to go around and talk about our honorable mentions real quick. Sure. Uh, Green Room, fantastic, good horror movie. Go see it. Hush, same thing. It's on Netflix. Fucking gorgeous. I just watched another movie last night called The Greasy Strangler. Really fucking weird movie, but uh, it's kind of fun. I wanted to see I, that. Check yeah, it out. It's it's it. Would not crack my top ten, but there's some like good fucking laughs in it. Yeah, check it out. Um, I just had uh, Raiders, the story of the greatest film ever made. Um, everything you said, it is really good. Uh, Hunt for the Wilder People also was. Yeah, it probably would have sat at like fifteen or something if I had extended a list out, but it's very good. Um, Sausage Party also. I kind of wrestle with Sausage Party because <laughs> this one, it's. To me, to me, it's it's ham fisted and it's a little, I don't know, it's it's what I expected it to be. But luckily, it was also just as entertaining as I would have hoped it would be. So that was good. It was actually a bit of they a got more surprise. out of it than you thought. They I could got have. I got a little yeah. I got more laughs out of it than I thought I would. Um, but the undertones and everything else were you know again it's not agree disagree though it offended my sensibilities. I just thought it I just thought it could have been handled in a. I don't know, a more subtle way. So, yeah. But yeah those so, are yours. Those are mine. Uh, my honorable, honorable mentions. Manchester by the Sea would have made my number 11. Um, 
Pee-wee's Big Holiday. I actually kind of <laughs> oh, enjoyed yeah, yeah. I enjoyed that. I thought it was pretty fun. Um, Popstar, I thought was actually pretty I, good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, War Dogs, I thought was actually a pretty interesting watch. Um, Moonlight, I thought was really good. Uh, very strong movie. I think it's going to be battling um, I think it's La La take, Land. I think La La Land will take a shitload of Oscars, but I think Moonlight will top it in the end. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Um, and then, I think, dude, I think it's going to be a three-way. I'm very curious if Arrival will surprise us tonight. Um, but I thought that I was so. one of the overrated <laughs> movies of 2016. But anyway, Moonlight, um, War Dogs. I thought Green Room was very interesting. Um, which was interesting as well. Um, yeah. Hunt for the Wilder People, I thought was one that was kind of a little overrated, even though I like uh, uh, Taika Waititi. <laughs> um, he has a great movie I can't, uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to. Thor Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok, yeah, <laughs> but he's also doing Bubbles the Chimp. Yeah. Yes. Which yeah. I am so excited for. So anyway, I thought those are some of my honorable mentions. Kyle, where can they find you? They can find me uh, on the Facebook group, Kyle Brown, and posting people's birthdays and people think they're obituaries <laughs> all the fucking time um, you, can, you can listen to me uh yeah bill paxton died that Boo. sucks i guess from um, surgery game over man yeah um, sucks. you can listen to me on the marathons when we do those and you can find me everywhere else movie script life nice uh ryan smith on the group uh you can hear me every once in a while on this thing uh this <laughs> this podcast thing that Brad does. Uh, and and again, in your vents. Very common name. So if you're not one to get specific, you can find me fucking everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> We're on Adventures in Video Land. We're on Instagram, man. We're on Tumblr. Uh, but the conversation always begins and ends on Facebook. Facebook. Check us out there. Go to our website, adventuresinvideoland.com. Uh, we got some pretty cool stuff coming yeah. up, man. We're doing a King Kong versus Godzilla. We're going to be talking Logan next week. we got a lot of stuff coming up. we got a great interview coming up um, with the, the guy who who has ownership of the Evil Dead cabin. Or the work, work shit, I, I must say. So that's going to be really cool. Nice. So until next time, my good people, we're, we're kind of rushing this up and tying it up real quick because right now, Oscars, man. the Oscars, Oscars are, are we're on listening to opening monologue right now. So we're out of here, my good fuckers. Peace out. <laughs> Peace! Yeah.